There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go down to the airport. You know? Fair play. That's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. You better believe it. Uh, paper-wise this morning, of course, uh, they just love weather in the tabloids and they give us all sorts of warnings, and rightly so. Freezing weather um, is far is bar for the course, as in bar-ometer, I suppose. Uh, the country is in for a week of sub-zero temperatures. The winter's first big freeze coincides, of course, with schools going back today uh, after the Christmas break. And I suppose it's fair to say there was a lot of glum faces this morning amongst primary and secondary school kids as they're heading back oh for God's sake can't we wait another few days the weather is shocking I'm tired I'm freezing with the cold so the independent this morning says things to watch out for visibility is very important particularly with the dark mornings and early dark evenings checking your tyres not just the state of them but the pressure of them as well road safety authorities say that will make all the difference when it comes to handling tricky icy conditions leaving plenty of room and uh, you know I see this morning there's been a lot of fender benders and issues on our roads number of cars crashing in Farnry, um, also um, other areas like um, uh, black ice and icy conditions, a two-car crash out in Bandon. I see some ca- crashes coming in from uh, North Cork. Blarney Village, apparently, is closed. Anyway, I digress. So, leaving plenty of room. Uh, there's not much, not as much grip because of the icy conditions on our roads. And there's a lot of gritting going on and salting, so fair play in that regard. But leave more distance. You have to, uh, you, know, um, you know, leave extra space. Uh, for reaction time. Watch out for the black ice, black ice and give yourself extra time in the next few mornings, you know, to get to, to wherever you need to be because you don't want to be rushing. Now, uh, in other stories this morning, in the inside pages of The Star, we have an update on the condition of the little girl who suffered very serious stab injuries on the 23rd of November outside her Gwelskull at Parnell Square East in Dublin. Uh, she's still receiving treatment, but she's done really well. But The Star this morning quotes her mum as saying that the five-year-old who was left fighting for her life for many, many weeks after being stabbed uh, at the crash, outside the crash. It's awful even saying it. Imagine a five-year-old being stabbed coming out of a crash. She now has to relearn everything according to the star. She's strong and doing well, but has to relearn everything. And from a stabbing to a shooting, now they believed that there was a soccer player shot while playing a match at the weekend. Oh, a terrifying thing to happen up in Tipperary and papers this morning lead with it. The Mirror saying soccer player shot by hunters. Uh, for the past day or two, I was wondering who in the name of God would want to shoot somebody playing a match? I just couldn't get my head around it. I and mean, I was thinking, is this where we're at now with regards to the lives we live, you know, and the world that we live in? But, but it turns out that it could well have been that he was accidentally shot by de- a deer hunter. He was shot in the arm, Donnick O'Brien, um, and uh, he was joking about it afterwards. In fairness to him, as he was getting emergency treatment, but I bet you that smarts. I would say that hurts. He says, when you go to take a shot from the halfway line, um, but instead you get shot on the halfway line. So he was having a good laugh about it, but you know what? If it had been a couple of inches left and four or five inches up, it'd be a totally different scenario. So I'm glad that he's well. Apparently well as you can be having been shot in the arm playing a soccer match papers also this morning talk unfortunately of more childcare issues around the country uh, but this is very much a Cork story they call it the culling of childcare services 
three more now, run by Amanda Spiteri, the founder of Ray of Sunshine. She provides after-school services across Ireland, including Clawheen, Dripsy and Kilmurray. So they will close and two other facilities of hers up the country. That's a front page of making the echo today. And from children to child support. Uh, Helen McEntee and a whole gangload of them are trying to come up with new ways uh, to get dads who dodge child support uh, to be billed for court proceedings and also to have the arrears taken from them from their bank account. So how are they going to do that? Well, they think that maybe they might allow revenue to do it and they do a damn good job collecting money so they certainly would be able to do that as well. But there are like 26 different recommendations for different approaches to get money out of dads who dodge child support. So firstly, they would have to pay all of the court proceedings when they're being brought back into court, uh, being asked you know, as to why you're not paying, cop yourself on, pay up. They'd have to pay for those court proceedings. Other ways then of enforcing um, the law with regards to it would be uh, for any of the arrears to be taken out of things like, say, tax fund refunds um, or to duck, deduct it from their bank accounts at source. And judges would even have the power to freeze money and freeze assets until all of the arrears were paid back and were no longer outstanding. It's kind of strange that none of that has happened before because every time I mention it on the air, of course, or delve into that subject, unfortunately, and there are a lot of good dads out there where relationships break down and they pay up. And bear in mind as well, a lot of misfortunate dads have an awful lot of issues themselves with regards to, um, you know, uh, visitation rights. So, But maybe that, that's perhaps unrelated to this story. But you would think that there would have been something in place up until now where you could I mean, can can they not dip into bank accounts or can they not already, you know, revenue do something? Maybe not revenue, but surely you would think that, um, you know, money could be taken directly at source. It was found to fell out a load of money in the bank account. He was paying maintenance for his children. But anyway, maybe it's 2024 is the year that that's going to change. Your thoughts on it are welcome. Text 0868104106. The Sinn Féin councillor on the north side, Ken Collins, says it's very unfair that the litter surveys, particularly Irish business against litter, target individual communities like the north side of Cork. I think he's making the point that areas should be should be viewed in bigger clumps, if you like, that you shouldn't hone in on the north side and you shouldn't hone in on Mahan, that should be bigger geographical chunks taken into consideration all in one. Um, fair play to Mallow, cleaner than the European norms, but unfortunately Cork City Centre remains moderately littered and sadly uh, the north side and indeed Mahan Uh, remain littered in the latest survey. Uh, So still a lot of work needed to be done. Um, And a lot of it, of course, is fast food junk and it's junk that involves cans or fag boxes or takeaway litter or, you know, things like that. Um, I don't know what to make of uh, the amount of money people are earning because the more you earn, the better life is and that can't be a bad thing. Um, But they're now blaming the fact that there's been a 50% rise in the number of people earning more than 100 grand for one of the reasons why there's been a house price surge. Um, You know, again, stick your finger in the air and, you know, know, have a guess yourself or take a punt as to when house prices will stop rising or start dropping. But for now, the increase, at best anyway, is a kind of a slightly slower increase. Prices rose in the second, hand of la- second half of last year because of a surge in the number of high earners um, and they just have the ability to put down a deposit and to pay more for houses. So where it's a case of supply and demand, it means that uh, the high earners, up 50%, 
apparently year on year. At least that's that's a good thing. People have the potential to earn more money in Ireland. Other people are leaving the job and they're leaving it quite quickly. The amount of Gardaí who quit the force is up 55% year on year. Where we see that last year just under 170 Gardaí left the service in 2023. They jacked it in. It was no longer for them. They called it the day and want to work uh, maybe in the private sector or doing something else because of the pressure and the pressure and the stress involved in it. And of course, uh, sadly, with uh, way too many scumbags and thugs, they don't show respect to members of Angarda Shikona. Um, you talk about people working or giving up jobs. If you want a better work-life balance, uh, you should be allowed to use your phone in the office. Now, I never really thought about this until now. And and because I was reading it this morning, I was said, surely be to God, everybody would have access to their mobile phones when they're working. But apparently not always the case, certainly not in pharmaceuticals and uh, maybe even, I suppose, anything to do uh, with with health or production of medical equipment and areas like that, or maybe even food production, food processing, perhaps IT, I don't know. Um, but apparently there's, uh, a study was done where a big pharmaceutical company changed their policy on whether or not uh, you could use your phone in the workplace and apparently it reduced stress and it helped employees to achieve a better work-life balance apparently uh, and now they're saying that it should be rolled out that you know people should be allowed access to their phones at the office and at work I'd love to hear from people actually and I won't necessarily give out your details or your work details but I'd like to hear from people who can't use their phones at work or don't have access to their mobile phone at work uh, perhaps you might like to text 0868104106 and indeed tell us uh, why um, it's just just of interest to me I suppose you know maybe those that own the businesses say that the impacts on productivity and people wouldn't be working as hard as they should be if they were constantly stuck in their own phone there is another one um, it's a busy morning paper wise today actually there's another one makes the newspapers and makes the mail with regards to uh, work you know, and it's 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 office romances because they are saying that while we spend a large chunk of our lives with our colleagues, uh, many people find themselves falling in love with someone who they work with. And that's all very well. I've heard those love stories on this program for years of people who met on the job and settled down and, you know, reared a family, got married and everything was fine. But those enjoying the office romance, though, um, aren't realizing the impact that the relationship is having on their work colleagues, apparently. It's about trust, yeah? It might be annoying. I'm assuming that you don't have work colleagues kissing and cuddling across the desks or anything like that. Or maybe you do. But they're saying that it's been found anyway, uh, the research, that colleagues are very careful with what they share with workmates um, who are engaged in an office romance because they fear that the details would be passed on to the other half. I think you should have that fear anyway. You know, pick and choose who you talk to because they could be just a gossip. They mightn't necessarily be a gossip in a work relationship. They could be just gossips. And if you want to drive teenagers insane, the two big ways to do it, to drive them absolutely nuts, not you should be doing that, they're under enough pressure it is, but one is to say, tidy your room, drives them mad, the blood boils. And another one, which sounds quite passive-aggressive to me, because it's probably said in a very, you know, demoralizing or condescending way, and it is... What do you want to do with your life? Which actually isn't a healthy question um, in the way that a mum or a dad might say it. It's kind of like, what do you want to do with your life? It's probably code for, you are going to amount to absolutely nothing if you don't cop yourself on. 
That's kind of the last thing that a teenager wants to hear. And we, we all know then of what, what pets will and won't eat. God knows with pups and, you know, over the last few years have had, had two of them. One is our own dog, Jack, and the other is uh, my son and his partner, Danielle's dog, Tony. They're lovely dogs now. But when they're very small, they would literally eat anything. I mean, does anybody else have issues with dogs eating skirting boards, for instance, or the legs of tables or chairs, eating underwear of both sexes, eating socks, tearing apart and demolishing newspapers, or, as we heard recently on the air on this program, eating, demolishing and eating and tearing apart somebody's passport. Well, the latest one is the story that I got in the Telegraph from Saturday. It's an American story of a golden doodle which is obviously a cross of some sorts, seriously in the doghouse. This couple called Clayton and Carrie Law in Pennsylvania took out $4,000 from the bank, placed it up on the kitchen counter. It was to give to a contractor for work on their fence. Ah, cash is king as always, isn't it? And the bank transfer, it's not a check, it's four grand cash. But up on the counter they leave. Now this dog, Cecil, is known to ignore steak if it's put down on the ground. No particular interest in steak. But give him cash any day and he finds it impossible to resist. They didn't see it until it was too late. And by the time they saw it, Cecil had eaten $2,000 within 30 minutes. Now, thankfully... I'd want to climb in there and get the money out of him myself. But thankfully, um, he, he, he wasn't harmed. And within hours, my apologies for saying this at this hour of the morning, but within, hour, within hours, he started to excrete the $100 bills from both ends, right? So they're then going around um, with uh, um, little bags, collecting the droppings, and then sifting through the droppings with soapy water, trying to... <laughs> Tried to get the shredded 50 and $100 bills. And then what they've done since is they have managed to match up the serial numbers of all of them. It gets better and better. They got all the bits of them. And there's photographs in the Telegraph of this. And they, they're taping them together, matching up the different bits with the different serial numbers um, and taping them to try and make them as complete as possible. Um, they haven't managed to get all of the money back again. But I think it just goes to show what dogs actually uh, find um, tasty. But I, I just wonder about the contractor... Right, so the contractor now will be paid with this money. I wonder how he or she will feel about that, or will they say anything at all about the four grand taped together after it's been right, right through the innards of a dog? And I could be here all morning with other stories. I will come back to them throughout the course of the morning. But could I just mention this one thing for the day that's in it? I'll come back to the other stories there. <clears throat> but for the day that's in it, very cold, very frosty, very dangerous on our road. So bear that in mind. But. Summer is only a few months away. And of course, something to look forward to at summertime will be as you head off on your holliers and you're over at your sun destinations and you're inside in your apartment and you're looking down at the pool below and you're thinking, oh my God, there's going to be such an unmerciful rush now for getting towels on pools. I'll go down at six o'clock in the morning. I'll put the towels down. I'll put a couple of books on them. We all do it, me included. I'll fess up to it. Down on the sun, sun lounger. We'll head off to breakfast. And then we'll head back and we'll have the best of spots because we'll have reserved them. That, of course, if you look at hotels, is on most of their policies as being, uh-uh, you can't be doing that. So I mention that because a couple, and this is a judge in Germany, had this couple before them. He has struck a blow, the judge, for all victims of Europe's annual towel wars. Can I just explain to you how? Well, holidaymakers, as we know, make a dash down to place the towels on the sunbeds at the hotel swimming pools. Something lovely to be thinking about in this very cold January morning. 
sunshine holidays swimming pools. But anyway, there was a couple from Saxony in East Germany went to court and they were awarded a partial refund of their five and a half grand holiday package to a resort on the Greek island of Rhodes because they refused to take part in the daily race to claim the sun lounger. They said, we should not have to do this. But actually, TUI, so they argued that the scramble was against hotel policy because the hotel policy stated that no sunbed should be reserved um, for more than 30 minutes when not in use. Um, instead, the family you had breakfast instead and strolled out at nine o'clock and looked around and said, where are sunbeds? We, we, it's typical German. We will not break the law by rushing out in the morning, which is kind of weird, really, because the Germans and the Scandinavians are the worst at this. So they took it to court. And Tui's defense, actually, extraordinarily, was Tui argued that if they had broken the rules like everybody else, they would have found a spot. So I think it's a cracking story. I mean, uh, no, no, I'm not suggesting that anybody else should follow their lead. Would you be bothered? But it's interesting, isn't it? Um, something nice to look forward to with the summer just, or, I was going to say just around the corner, but in terms of months, not too far away now that days are getting slightly longer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Just staying on the weather and everybody scrambles when it gets cold and it gets frosty and it gets icy. I'd be as much worried, lads, as I would about the footpaths as I would about the roads. So do proceed with caution over the next few days. But as I was saying this morning, yes, City Council staff have been out in fairness to them. And they have been gritting and they have been doing the best they can. David Joyce is the Director of Public Services City Council. David, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you, you anticipated this and reacted accordingly, right? We have. So we've actually been out for four of the last five nights because it has been warnings for that length of time and we'll be out for the rest of this week. Uh, we are out all night long um, gritting many, many tens of kilometres of roads uh, across the city and footpaths in the city centre. You can't get to everything though, so there is caution and there is alert to people, isn't there? No, what I would say is I would say two two key things to your listeners. One is there is a map on our website which shows all the routes that we saw. So if anybody wants to check that out, if they went into their favourite search engine and typed in Cork City Council Winter Maintenance, you will get that map. But you were 100% correct. I would ask all of your listeners for the remainder of this week, because there is an advisory notice in until next weekend, to drive very, very slowly to take account of the conditions and be very, very aware that you may come round a corner in an area that is very sheltered and you might hit some black ice. So please do slow down and drive with care. And as you also mentioned, it's very, very important while we do grit footpaths across the city centre, we can't grit every footpath across the city. I'm just so conscious of people sure maybe who might be elderly or mightn't be the best or just recovering from an operation or mightn't be great on their feet. They will uh, have a fall if they're not careful. They just will. Yes, so please, please make a decision before you go out early in the morning when the footpaths are going to be icy and frosty. Do you need to go out and walk the footpath? Because some of the footpaths, again, in areas that are sheltered, are going to be icy and they are going to be slippery unless you take uh, take care. Okay, what is it that you what is it that you uh, dress the rose with? Is it grit or, or is it salt? It, it's a mixture of salt and grit. And the salt helps to stop the ice from forming and melt the ice and the grit allows for extra traction. So it's a mixture of both that we use on the on the footpaths and on the roads. OK. Uh, there were issues, though, sadly. There were crashes in various areas. And I did hear this morning that a lot of people had problems getting out of their housing estates. So is it within within parks wouldn't be done like it would be just the roads themselves? 
know what it is is the main traffic routes is bus routes and say around hospitals schools and main areas that we would we would address uh, we annually we do have a scheme available to rest associations where up to the 15th of December they can apply to the local authority and we would supply them with a one ton bag of salt and that has been closed since the 15th of December but obviously given the present weather conditions we're opening that back up again so you'll find on our website today there's an application form and we're going to open that application form up again this Good morning. Good stuff people can back. check that out for themselves so this is destined to continue across the week for sure it is particularly mornings and and, uh, and nights Yes, until the weekend, the advisory notice on Met Aaron is in place on the weekend, so we don't anticipate things will improve between now and next weekend. So this is going to be a difficult week for travelling, second week back in the new year to school. So we would ask people to make sure, again, that they plan their journeys, understand the conditions and act accordingly. OK, just finally, without wanting to you know, put a spoke in the wheels, did, was, was there an issue with Blarney Village? Um, was, that, was that closed this morning? I know that uh, I saw a report of a bus crash in Blarney. Would, would those roads have been, particularly around the village themselves, would they have been gritted? There are roads in Blarney that are gritted, yes. Obviously, as we said earlier, not every single road in Blarney, but yes, roads in Blarney are gritted like the rest of the city. Um, and my understanding, having checked it out before I came on the radio this morning, is that uh, roads that were closed this morning were due to an accident um, oh, and they should be open at this stage. They're not permanently closed. I see. They, were, they, were, they were closed to facilitate the removal of vehicles. Okay, I might stay in touch with you in the coming days, David, but thank you for taking the call for now. That's David Joyce, Director of Public Services with Cork City Council. Monica, good morning. <laughs> Uh, Hi, yeah, I know you're talking about you're talking about eight crashes, eight. Just on our road on Fire and Fires Avenue. Okay, so what what were the conditions and, of the road? Were they icy? Oh, deadly, deadly. Like I came out this morning and I thought it was wet. You know, I thought it was raining and I thought, oh, it's wet, it's fine. But then a car came out the terrace in front of me and just slid down the road, so I couldn't go anywhere. And then cars were coming down, and one car went into a wall, another van went into him, then a car went into that. Another car went into another car, and down the end of the hill, two cars went into other cars that are parked on the side of the road. Okay, it's a hill then, Faris. It might be called an avenue, but it is a hill. It is a hill. But you know what what the councilman was saying there? They're gripped by schools. Yeah. There are three schools at the top of our hill, and our road is never gritted, ever. It's a main road, though. Is Is it a main road, or are you talking about an estate? Well, I would consider it a main road up from Blackpool. You know, it's it's a parallel to Poppins. Oh, Hill. that's a main road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's parallel to that, and it's going straight up to the schools, and it's never gritted. And this morning, we've been here twenty five years, and it gets worse. And this is the worst I've ever seen it. So year so on no... year, there are problems, but this is a particularly bad one. Yeah. 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 Oh, terrible! There's people standing around the road now all morning with their cars crashed into other cars and there's no sign of anybody coming. Okay. So the guards came about an hour ago and they didn't even block off the road from the top so more cars kept coming down and then the guards went away. There's no council here. There's nobody here. Okay. Um, It isn't the case that people were driving too fast, is it? And they weren't thinking about the road condition. No, it's just, as I said, maybe they thought the road was just wet as I thought, trying to go out of my drive. But when you come down from the top where the schools are, yeah. there was um, a young man and he tried to break up by the park and he slid all the way down to my house. Wow, which that is, must be a scary I mean, thing. It's, it's, it's like glass night. Yeah. It's okay. like glass night. Okay. No, nobody, nobody hurt though, but 
certainly no so, thanks be to God but no. dam- damage to cars and what have you um, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you what we'll do I'm, I'm going to make David Joyce aware of this so that you know whatever needs okay. to be done from this day forward your area will yes. be included like eight cars crashing that's bad in one in yeah, one, it is bad and especially street. as kids are due to go back today we're just lucky that it had all these things that happened before 8 o'clock and there was no kids out trying to walk to school yeah, because it, it like you know footpath, I mean? it's you know I go banging on about footpaths, footpaths, footpaths. But even this morning, I mean, it's like whether it's here in Corraheen or out in Douglas, it it really was like the fa- fa- footpaths are like an ice rink. They really are. Oh, they are at the same here. Yeah, the kids would have had to go out on the road, which was even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's okay. I, I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on that straight away. So you get near this road. That's all. Okay, and stay and and just drive carefully and stay away from those roads if necessary for now. It's open around the Farn Ferris uh, Avenue. Area. We'll be back on to David Joyce. We'll make sure they're included going forward. Uh, Dermot on WhatsApp, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Fair play to you. Thanks for taking the call. I know you're busy enough as it is. Tell me about Blarney this morning. Uh, Blarney was a bit um, chaotic this morning. We came in on the bus, uh, the first bus of the morning, and we just came into the village itself, and there was a bin coming in, and the bus was not controlled completely and just hit a wall and it hit, hit a curb. I can't tell it was stopped in like all, but there was a bit of damage done to uh, a wall over the bus. But everyone got off the bus and everyone was trying to find their own seat because the road was very, very slippery. Like, but outside the village itself, it was okay. Like, you know, but uh, the, there was no assault like, uh, inside uh, the village itself. There was no what? No thaw? There was, there was, there was no assault. On the road, like you know, because oh, okay, okay. No, it's, I was told that I kind of got the impression that it was a crash, but but it actually was because of the road surface. No. You're saying, oh, a hundred percent, because I got off the bus and we we were the first to crash, and then there was the sensor stopped in at the other side of the village, and that slid down, and that made wreck of the lamppost and a wall, and then it crashed into a car and it came to a stop. And then there was a torch swapped in that just uh, jackknifed, and that didn't cause any damage, luckily. Oh my God! A truck jackknifed. Well, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't um, car on car collision or anything like that. Like that was just black ice, and the bus slipped out, and the two trucks slipped out, and caused a bit of damage. My God! You must have got a right fright as the bus um, slid across the road with all well, the passengers on board. Well, I, my, head, my head was in the phone and I heard a woman screaming and I looked out the window and we were heading sideways on the road like so. It was just frightening the night. <sighs> you can be sure of it. What did you do for the rest of your journey then with all of the passengers? What happened next? Well, I, I made my way up to the trucks and there was other vehicles coming down towards us so I just had my flashlight on the phone and I just gave him a warning to turn around and not to carry on like you know but I, I had to head on to walk in like so I, I left the scene and like you know how did you get to work, Dermot? Well, I, I went to the next... I seen a bus passing when I was in the village and I got the next bus and when I... I was I'm actually working in Canines and the bus actually drove past Canines so I had to get off that pool so I had to get one of my colleagues in to pick me up and bring me to work. Great start to so the week, the pal. Morning. A great start yeah, to the week, pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, thanks for reporting in. Appreciate it from Blarney this morning. That's Dermot and Monica. Um... Okay, a bit more care and attention. I'm not being critical of anybody here now because it's a hard enough job to do, but maybe a little bit more work also needs to be done in the Blarney area in the coming mornings. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Dennis is a bus driver. Dennis, good morning. 
come on, I need it. What do you make it uh, at? A bus there and bus sliding across the road in Glamour. That's a big that's a big machine to try and control on ice, isn't it? It is indeed, it is indeed. It's you know. But um, I'm just driving in the SE that bus there up the road from the SA and Gabriel Special School. Right. And Boomvar estate is just one pure sheet of black ice the whole way through. So if there's anybody heading for that and Avoid it because there's vans already after crashing in there, sliding off the road. There's, you know, it's just chaotic inside Noonvar State at the moment. So stay out of there if you don't have to go in. Okay, Even give if it. If you do have to go in, you're not going to get very far. Give it some you know, time. I was it's... lucky enough to get in and get out. Yeah, it's deadly. It's absolutely deadly. It's absolutely deadly, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. well, uh, continue safely, Dennis. Thanks for taking the call. That's from Umvar Estate uh, out around Bishopstown. Um, yeah, I, I see reports actually from Farm Farnry this morning and Farm Ferris Avenue area. The call of those cars that crashed. Um, Beaumont as well, Beaumont School and Ice Rink, cars all over the place, very dangerous. Let people know. Deer Park, Lethal, Dunamore, Lethal. Uh, Forest Road in Carrigaline, another crash there. Black ice, a uh, lot of the country roads. You're looking at Enniskeen to Crookstown. Very, very dangerous. Three cars in a van stuck in Turner's Cross like glass out there. Castle Road and Bandon reports coming in earlier this morning. The Western Road. Um, even on the M8 southbound into Cork, you just need to be very, very careful. Uh, Eagle Valley and Wilton, two mile in, coming in on the N25. I see the bush crash, uh, many, many texts on that from Blarney this morning to the breakfast show to Casey and Vic. Uh, Dublin Road, the tunnel, big queues back into the toll. I don't know why that would be. You would think that that road certainly be well iced and gritted. But anyway, just, um, you know, slow down. Give yourself plenty of time the coming days. Leave plenty of room for the car ahead. Um, and be careful not just on roads but on footpaths too. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I will come back after the break. Calls on the way. Call Neil now. 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Jin's uh, on two, Tony's on one. Tony, good morning. Back to Blarney. What have you got for me? Good morning. So, yeah, I mean, look, Blarney was like a nice week this morning. Um, obviously, you had the bus situation and then the, the truck itself, jackknife, just outside Christie's. But for me, the scary part, like there was a guard on duty in fairness at the, at the, at the entrance of the village. But was it, do you know, did you walk on the surfaces? Was there any gritting at all? Well, uh, nothing visible, Neil, right? Okay. I'm not saying it wasn't. Okay. Uh, but there was a guard uh, just at the entrance. He could barely stand in the middle of the road. He was trying to prevent people from going in. I was dropping my wife off to work. But even coming from Tower to Blarney itself, uh, everybody was going at a snail's pace, when I say, you know, cautiously. And this guy, who was three cars back in a Hyundai Tucson, decided he wasn't waiting. And he went, he put the foot down, and off he went. Didn't care, flash beeped, two fingers back. But, like, people need to understand. Wait a second. He, wait a second. People flashed, and he did what? No, we we I beeped and flashed him, and then he gave me the two fingers, right? But people need to understand in these conditions, it's, you know, you need to get there, fine. But you're taking your own life and putting other people's lives at risk. What a moron. When you drive recklessly. What a total And that moron. was qu- around quarter to nine this morning. Great Jeep, I hope he knows who he is, but no patience. And literally... Uh, I would hope that by the time he got to Blarney, there was somebody else in front of him to slow him down. Uh, yeah, you, you know, I, I didn't hear of a Hyundai crashing, thankfully, but I did hear yeah. of the bus, the articulated truck, 
And some ca- and, and yeah. some cars, I think. Some cars, yeah. The, the articulated truck was completely, you know, the, the cab was against the footpath and the truck itself was right across the road, so there was no access. Isn't it so um, frustrating when you have an idiot like that that could cause death on our roads this morning, giving correct. people the two fingers, yeah. passing out cars who are driving slowly yeah. and correctly? Um, is, is it that, is, is like brain dead or like, what, I mean, late? There's no, there's no excuse for this. No, I have no idea. And look, sometimes the roads look innocent enough, as, as in, you know, they might look to be okay. But uh, I suppose Blarney would have been a classic case there where literally once you got into the village, people could barely stand. The guard was doing a great job trying to stop people from getting into the village. But an articulated truck and a bus and cars. So you just don't know what's around the corner. And like people need to respect the conditions, but also need to respect that there are other road users, pedestrians, cyclists maybe. I know it's not a morning for cyclists, but you just can't drive as if it's just you well on said, the road. Well said. I couldn't put it better myself, Tony. Have a good day and thank you for that. Appreciate it. I mean, the, the, the rule of thumb really, if you go out in the morning and your car windscreen is frosted over, right, then you know that the road surface is going to be something similar with regards to ice. Jean, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for Sorry. taking the time. So uh, you, you're east along Watergrass Hill to Middleton this morning, were you? Well, I, I usually take the old road just, you know, to save up a bit of fuel, take, take my time. But today, motorway was completely packed. I know conditions weren't great, but I said, look, I'll, I'll take the old road. I'll see how it goes. I'll take nice and slow. Yeah. But Jesus, every, everywhere where there is overgrown trees, it's pure ice. And, and you know what? The new electric cars, they don't have high gears, so you always have too much torque on it. Have and you got an electric? To slide. I do, and I tell you, it's the scariest drive I had. You can't gear down. That's extraordinary, yeah. Yeah, you can have a high gear on it, so you, you always have too much torque. Every time you touch the pedal, she wants to go. Oh, my God. And even though I was doing only about 40 kilometers an hour, I still was going side to side. And there was two cars literally in the bushes, coned up, just waving me, going... The car were in the bush. They were okay, though, even though the cars had left the road, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were there already, put the cone, and he had the high-wheel jacket, so it must have been recent. Uh, There was another one that was left there for a while, probably, because there was already a cone with an arrow pointing to a side drive around it. It's a, I mean, there were crashes, but I haven't heard of any injuries, thankfully, but no, numerous well, crashes. There wasn't car-to-car crash. They were just facing the bushes, facing the ditch. They didn't look like they got very bad damage. I suppose they were going slow, but still. The car Best to out. stay away from the secondary roads, I think, Jen, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're doing that again. That's I'm, 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 just, I'm, just, I'm just happy I made it. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's the scariest thing to drive an electric car on ice that they ever had. That's a very interesting point about electric cars because, like, you're, you're, you're not recommended to be hitting the brake on ice or black ice. It's, it's using the gears and driving yeah. slowly. Yeah, you can't yeah. do that with you, it. You, you can't you can turn on more regeneration, but the issue with electric cars, you don't have gears at all, so you always have too much power when you're trying to just accelerate. I know, good point. It's I mean, a, with an automatic car, you can flip to manual at least, but with an electric, yeah. you don't have that luxury. Exactly. Uh, this is the first time I was actually scared of electric car. Okay, my friend, drive drive carefully. Well done so far. You've done well. Stay off the secondary roads and use the big ones because they're the ones at least that will be graded better. Tony, good morning. 
Hello, Neil. Ha- uh, happy, new, happy New Year. Uh, lovely chat with you, pal. Many happy returns. So to the south side, right. what have you got for me? That's it, boy. And over here, I tell you, I was going out the door there this morning, they were there with the trail there on Capitol Road, and you couldn't walk on the footpaths, no, right? No, no, no. I, 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 I fell anyway down the road this morning, I'm 76 now. And then I got down along to the opposite street of uh, Clyde Christie Secondary School, and then my little man went to school with me, he fell, right? I left him off at the school at half past year. I really had a good mom setting up. You did. I went down along anyway. Don't go to sleep until I get the hopper off of the push bike. Right? Off the bike he came, right. Yeah, push bike, yeah. And then I was going down over George's Key Bridge, and there was another fellow coming in the corner to the left for the Grand Parade and the push bike, and he got a hopper. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Right? Wow. You'll be talking about something off a morning, eh? Right? Oh my God. The bad news if you're coming off a bike. Bad news. Bad news. Oh, bad news. And then I went into the GPO then, and God help us. I was inside there the next There was a, a big argument and a fight inside there with, with two young ones. They beat the head off each other, and the girls had to be caught. Could I ask you why they were fighting, yeah. or do you know? Look, I do, I do, because one passed remark to the other, and they beat and scrawled each other inside there. And that's no exaggerating. Like, Charming. Oh, I wouldn't even mention it. Right, that. Of course, the, the, the lads, one of the lads came in to get out, like, and what happened got there that like, but like I was saying, that's the remark was, like, you're an unfit, you're an unfit mother, and they were only about 18 or 19, oh, and you want to see them, man. Unbelievable. They, they, Katie Taylor wouldn't handle them. Well, West stuff. Unbelievable. And that, and they went out and two fellas in the post office couldn't separate them. They're doing their best. <sighs> I don't know, man. Uh, I don't yeah, know what yeah, all this yeah, anger yeah. about. I don't know. I don't know. No, and you, you, you okay after the fall? Yeah, you're all right? I am. I am. I am. I am. Oh, I, I know much you're all right. My friend is as usual. <laughs> and really mean that. Look after yourself, Tony. You're a mighty man. Fair no, play to you. No, I don't. I don't watch you, boy. Come all here. Right. Until yesterday, I'll be good for peace, God, in that. Hopefully it will, Tony. Right? Hopefully it will, pal. God bless you. Take care. Well, lovely cork characters out there, aren't they? And Tony's always one of them. Lovely guy. I love his turn of a cork phrase. It's just a beautiful thing. As for the morons inside in the post office, what are you going to do about that? I don't know. And the idiots and... The Hyundai this morning out in Blarney nearly took people out. Uh, keep those texts coming. Keep the emails as well. Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Pick up the phone on 0818 um, Actually, you know, talking about idiots driving cars, right? Say that as an example. The Hyundai out in Blarney given two fingers. Or overtaking cars on icy black ice roads. Give them the two fingers. Right, moron. I think we're all agreed on that. I was reading the story at the weekend and I did a little bit of checking this morning to see if we have anything on our statute books. I think we have something on our statute books with regards to what I'm just about to talk because uh, you mentioned it this morning, Kevin. But anyway, the story is police in the UK are hunting a motorist who soaked an entire family, including a baby in a pushchair, by speeding through a large puddle. 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 I just, you know, there's five of them. Husband, wife, mammy, daddy, I don't know. And three children. They were drenched from top to toe in um, on a road in a town in Derbyshire. The mother described the driver's actions as unbelievably callous. She said the family were walking along the pavement at 20 past two in the afternoon. Large puddle, white car approaches... They started gesturing a stopping motion to the driver with their hand to slow down. What does the driver do instead? Speeds up instead, right? And splashes them. 
is that it? That's pure scuttery. That's intentional, it? though. That's pure scuttery. So that's I intentional. Ha- I hate that kind of okay. stuff. I've, I've seen that happen. Especially happens a lot on Western Road. Do you know when college? You see college students walking up and down, and that road can get very flooded at times. You always see it. Fellas going out of their way to pull in. To Do you really believe that they're actually? Oh yeah, it's happened. Yeah, it's happened to me where fellas have, have, have like they've been driving along and they've intentionally swerved into the puddle, and then you can hear them laughing and like you're all kind of gesturing out the window. Then as they drive past you, like people just find it. Scotland, it wrecks my head. Anyway, Absolutely wrecks in, my head. In the UK, anyway, apparently, guard, the police are hunting this guy, right? Yeah. Because it's against the law. Yeah. You it's can a, get it, it, in the UK a, up to a €5,000 fine and nine penalty points for splashing people mm. um, with big puddles of water. Mm. Is it the same here? Yeah, I, I've i been trying to look this morning. Now, it's been a really busy morning with the black ice, more so even than the puddles. But um, it is a, a, it's a contradiction, or a contravention, should I say, of Section 51A of the Road Traffic Accident, or Road Traffic uh, Act, which says, a person shall not drive a vehicle in a public place without reasonable consideration for other persons using the place. But does it cover splashing it does, people? Yeah, that is absolutely covers splashing people. If you can prove that somebody splashed you intentionally, like... How you, prove it? you find CCTV your CCTV in the area you can see whether a car was to, like majorly swerved out of its way to be a hit tough a one to prove though would you accept very tough one to prove unless you had video evidence and then also you have to try and figure out was there any other reason why they would have swerved or anything like that but you can get fined and you can get penalty points for doing it so just don't do it like we've all been know? splashed we have like we all really I have God knows but I, I don't ever know whether it was intentional. Yeah, I, I know for a fact. I'm like, stupid I, it, not to avoid it, but yeah. I don't think people drove, I don't know if they drove into it. To no, and there's times like, Well Road is a great example where there's like, it's very hard because it's a narrow road, it's very hard to stay out of the puddle. So if you're doing a certain speed and you come around the corner, you can you can catch people ah, Yeah, but if you see a family with a buggy and oh, a child in a like you don't. If you see anybody, it doesn't, like if you see anybody, like I see, and it always, and I, I don't know, maybe this is, maybe I'm wrong here, but I've seen it so many times with groups of girls where lads think it's funny to to, it's the same kind of like you know the wolf whistling at girls for going for a run out of the car I've seen that happen too still going on that is it ah yeah I saw it not in Cork now but I saw it somewhere recently and like not in Ireland I saw it somewhere recently like it's so disrespectful three of them hanging out of the window wolf whistling this young one going for a run like it just but that kind of scottery wrecks my head because you know what really wrecks my head about it is that you can do it and you drive off and it's it's so cowardly it's like you know it's one thing if yeah, you were man. to do it you know it's one thing if two fellas pucked their head off each other don't get me wrong I don't think I'm doing that either but at least there's kind of a you're, you're, there's consequences to it but when you do it in the car and you drive off that person's completely defenseless it just wrecks my head so yeah section 51A and that that's the, also section 52 is like the careless reckless driving and what is but it a fine or penalty it's a, it's a fix it can be either I think I think it goes to court or it goes to court or goes to some sort of appeals process but you can you can get definitely a fine and okay. penalty points I don't think it's I think it's probably something like in the 80 to 100 region of a fine but you do get two penalty points for it so okay. just don't do it like you know, it, just, it, just don't do am, it am, I, am, I, am I right in my understanding that just on another topic that footpaths aren't gritted they are not gritted it's just roads some footpaths are like I know for a fact over Patrick's Bridge definitely gritted all the bridges in Cork City generally okay. tend to be gritted but, suburban but in suburban areas no oh, okay. and certainly not our football, certainly not our car park this morning you Do can ask Vic, Vicky from the breakfast show on that it's lethal trying to get in here we're lucky we're at all <laughs> the programme from the car you said that text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 we'll continue the conversation that matters after 10. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. 
Pick up the phone, text 0868104106 and also uh, text 0868104106 an awful lot of stuff from around the suburbs and county all morning long. Uh, that and lots more besides. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. With great news overnight for our own Killian Murphy and great news for Cork because uh, Oppenheimer itself scooped a handful, something like five I think, uh, Golden Globes and that's always a good uh, auger for the Oscars. So Killian Murphy got best performance by an actor in a motion picture for Oppenheimer. In fact, it's fair to say that Poor Things, which won best motion picture, musical or comedy, is made by Irish producers Ed Guiney and Andrew Lowe. So a bit of a double win um, with regards to uh, uh, Ireland, but certainly Killian Murphy's performance in Oppenheimer fantastic and awarded with a Golden Globe. Great news overnight from Hollywood and that looks good then for him, hopefully fingers crossed, getting himself uh, an Oscar. Be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? Uh, for, for him uh, and indeed for Cork. So this is part of his acceptance speech from overnight. And the Golden Globe goes to Killian Murphy. Oh boy. Our first question, do I have lipstick all over my nose? Oh, I'm just going to leave it. Um, I, I knew the first time that I walked on uh, a Chris Nolan set that it was different. I could tell by the level of uh, rigor, the level of focus, the level of dedication, the complete lack of any seating options for actors, <laughs> that it was, I was in the hands of a visionary director, uh, a master. And I want to thank Chris and Emma for having the faith in me for, for 20 years and six feckin' pictures. <laughs> so, thanks so much. Um, one of the most beautiful and vulnerable things about being an actor is that you can't do it on your own, really. And we had the most incredible ensemble cast in this movie. There was magic, and some of them are here today. Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Gary Oldman. Thank you for carrying me and holding me through this movie. Um, thank you, too. Thank you. Uh, Thank you to Donna Langley and everyone at Universal for believing in this movie from the very beginning. Uh, oh, to all, all my fellow nominees, if you're Irish or not, you're all legends. You're stunning work. I salute you. Um, to, all my, to all my reps, all my team, uh, thank you so much. You're the best. Uh, to my family, I'm the luckiest man. Uh, love you. Thanks so much, guys. I think. I think that's just incredible. It's just even him listing off all of the fellow actors in the movie with him. I mean, he's right up there at the top of the tree. Congratulations to him and to all his family in Douglas and uh, in and around Ballon Temple and all the Well Road area. He was born and reared. It's a fabulous story for Killian Murphy uh, getting a Golden Globe for Oppenheimer. There were other films that did really well overnight as well. Anatomy of a Fall is a good movie. It's a good show. It really and truly is. And um, I was watching it there recently. I actually thought that it was fact that it actually happened. It's work of fiction, but it's an amazing... I don't want to spoil it for you. It's about this husband who falls out of a, a top window and the whole investigation around it regarding the wife. Um, other ones that did write quite well, of course, include Barbie. I mean, it was going to do very well. So did Succession, actually. But there's one in there that's an absolute nugget. Do you know, we're always asking each other, have you any good shows, have you any good television shows, any box sets, anything like that? We're all desperate because... God knows Netflix, the vast majority of it is absolute rubbish. But one that definitely, for me, in 2023, stole the show is um, a, a TV series called The Bear. 
uh, I think it's out of Chicago. It's a guy who takes over uh, a failing restaurant from his brother who passes away. It is absolutely powerful. There's been two seasons of The Bear and I can't wait for the third one. It's just rock and roll. It's terrific. I won't spoil it for you. But the acting and the pace and the drama and the suspense and the interaction between the characters is just absolutely unreal. Now, of course, Succession did very, very well. Uh, But, of course, the night belongs, as far as we're concerned, to the great Killian Murphy. So congratulations to him and all his family and friends. Back after the break, text 0868 104 106. Calls on the way. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Reams and reams of pages here of uh, traffic issues from this morning. Much of it, of course, ice and black ice related, but some of it also stupid, stupid driving. I mean, we heard this morning the Hyundai out in Blarney that nearly killed a load of people passing out on the wrong side of the road, giving two fingers to everybody and their black ice everywhere. You go into Blarney Village and a bus has crashed, uh, Arctic has jackknifed and cars have crashed. I mean, you can't be living in a bubble like that and not know the driving conditions are absolutely hazardous at the moment. But you wonder anyway, wouldn't you? I mean, you remember that big campaign was on the lead up to Christmas. We had 184 deaths on our road last year, 20% up on 2022's figures. Why? You know, 15 people died over the Christmas period on our roads. It's bizarre the amount of people that were detected for speeding. 5,000 detected during this one campaign alone. And the drink driving figures over the campaign are just breathtaking. 1,800 people detected. Not breathalyzed, but detected as being over the limit. And you've got to wonder, is that a generational thing? Is it that the older generations are still continuing to, to drink and drive? We've got that and we've got the issues of drug driving. Is it any wonder that a former transport minister is saying that there firstly is no political will and that the penny isn't dropping with people and it's just getting worse, not better? That person is Shane Ross. He joins me by phone. Shane, good morning. Good morning, Neil. All of that makes for very depressing reading, I have to say. Would you agree? Yes, I think it's it's there's no there's no two ways looking at, at this. There's absolutely no upside on this. It is a campaign. It, I mean, apart from the awful tragedies which are happening on a daily basis and they're getting worse, it's a campaign which has failed and is continuing to fail. And we're going to have to. We must look at this completely from a completely new base and say something has to be done very dramatically. It's an emergency, and people are dying at a rate now which which was absolutely inconceivable. But it does indicate that, that uh, we're not doing enough, we're not doing the right things, and, it, and we're going to have to take more serious uh, and, and more meaningful measures. There's no, there's no two ways to look at this. We can't have, you know, ministers or, or anybody else, road safety people coming out now today and say, well, look, what we're doing, we, we, it'll be okay at the end of this year. We now know the figures you quoted were... We're very, very telling, but we now know, you know, that this this is the worst. Last year was the last year, worst year I think since 2014. That's in in, in ten years, mm. and the trend is is alarmingly up. And you know, this is this is people dying. This is not. This but is there not, are laws there. There are legislations. There are fines. There's suspension from driving. There's long. You know. You know. There could well be yeah. even. There could even be custodial sentences. But if people aren't going to learn slow down, mm. drive carefully and don't mm. drink and drive. What's it going to take? Well, people, first of all, don't think they're going to be caught. It's quite obvious. The figures you quoted were, were, were scary enough. And the, but these, the, these were just the figures of people who were caught. Yeah. These are the people who were just uh, actually stopped. But think of the numbers out there who weren't. Think of the people who took the risk and weren't caught. And I don't know, of course, what those numbers are, but I guess they're probably much higher than the ones that were caught. 
So 1,800 people detected. And this is just one Christmas safety campaign, isn't it? It's alarming. Correct. It's a fair one. It's a five, it was a five-week campaign, yeah. which was... Yeah. Which was, you know, there was a huge amount. And of why do you say people know that they won't be caught? Well, because I suppose you see, the the, the problem here is that that uh, they, they, the the word is out, and I, we have to let people know uh, that the Garda traffic core is down, right? That uh, the numbers are actually down. The so enforcement is is one of the big problems, not the only problem. It's one of the big problems, and they they, they know that. Anecdotally, of course, from from probably their mates as well that they've been drinking with, none of them have been caught. But they also know that the guardy are saying, "Hey, we, you know, we, our numbers are down, our inspections are down, so the chances of getting caught are, are very, very small mm. indeed." And mm. that, that's, that means there's no real deterrent there. You know, it's not penalties which matter so much. Uh, in criminology of this sort, it's the fact that the people think that they're actually going to. But that should not be. It should not be an acceptable reason. Fear of not being caught. It's a bigger problem no, than that. Yeah, it's a much bigger problem. I think that the first thing is that one of, one of the penalties are caught. One of the problems is the penalties are not enough. That they're, they're not severe enough. Uh, and uh, you know, we, we, I, I had a battle. God, I fought, I fought for three years when I was minister in the last government, fighting to, just to bring down the level. Uh, to alter the the level of, of at which people could drink and drive, in other words, how much they could drink and drive, and to and to to bring down that level, that was bad enough. But these figures, which indicate, first of all, the amount of drunken driving that's going on is accelerating rather than rather than rather than going down, would indicate that what we have to do now is start taking people off the road and take them off very very quickly. And to, you know, the speeding is the big problem. Which, which people I don't think do realise intoxication of drugs and drink is the second biggest problem. Mm. Speeding is the big problem. And what we're going to have to do is, is just take people off the road. You know, zero tolerance of alcohol and zero tolerance of speeding. But, the there, only but, way there, but there, there's, there's going to be a big change in that regard, as you know. There's planned changes, meaning that the national roads, the secondary roads and the urban roads will all come down in and around 20 kilometres. You know, 100 will go to 80. I think, um, you know, 80 will go to 60 and 50, a good example of that would be the Douglas Road here in Cork, would go from 50 to 30. Isn't that a step mm-hmm. in the right direction, no? It is, but it's going to take too long. We don't know when the legislation is going to go through, and there's certainly no guarantee it's going to be enforced again. It's, you know, that it, it, is, it is a step in the right direction. But, but first of all, we got, it, there are going to be a lot bit more people die before the, those measures are introduced. Secondly, there are, there are much more urgent and severe measures which should be taken. And when, when, I left, when I left office, I left a bill there called the Graduated Speeding Bill. This is just an example. It's not, it's, it's not to my credit or anything else like that. But a Graduated Speeding Bill, which was actually a very controversial bill, which was meeting the same sort of resistance as we had for the for the drink driving bill, yeah. which we eventually could. Could I just look at the drink driving bill? Because a lot of people yeah. remember the spats, say, for instance, in the doll with yourself and, and the Healy Rays yeah. and Matty McGrath and, yeah. and um, yeah. you know, uh, rural TDs who were trying to protect the yeah. people who might have a couple of pints and drive home safely because they, they did it from the point of view of company because they lived in rural areas. Mm. Do you recall all of that? Mm. Yeah. Yes, that was that was a, a very traumatic and very very difficult period, and indeed, and I understand the threat which is perceived in rural areas, and particularly outside Dublin, from people who say, "Look, we're dictating from Dublin measures which are not really in accord with the with the traditional yeah. behaviour communities outside." Okay, but set that against 
people whose sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and sisters are dying as a result of this drinking. But they were and saying that it might have been a boreen or a secondary road where they'd never meet a car yeah. and it was only two or three pints and they never crashed, you yeah. know. A lot of Fianna Fáil backbenchers actually rode in on this to be honest. And Fianna Gael backbenchers as well blocked the whole process, didn't they? That's the problem. I mean, that's what I was just coming to, Neil. They did row in it and that was where the real resistance came. I mean, we can, we can anticipate it from the from the Healy Rays and the Matty McGraths and vote it down, although they filibustered it for, for, for several years. But the real problem here was, and with the bill that I had, which was ready and had gone through the cabinet, was that the Finna Paul and the Finna Gale backbenchers didn't like it. And they resist any measures which are put forward to uh, road safety measures because they regard it as a threat to the way of life in certain parts of Ireland. I understand that. But it's got to be, we've got to take those measures and take a decision that lives have got to be saved. Do you think the people know? Do you think the people know what the drink drive limits are anymore? I mean, I even had to double check no. it, and I'm probably going to get it wrong when I say that it's like um, half a pint of beer or a small glass of wine. I mean, small glass of wine. That that, that that's it. No, they don't know what they are, and of course, you you're, you do get if you don't have zero tolerance, which is, I think, the position which I I'm coming around to. You don't have zero. People say, oh, it's maybe one glass. Ah, and then another person says, oh, well, it could be two. It depends what size. If you've had a meal kind of thing, yeah, yeah. Correct. And then and the morning after, that's they say it's very unfair. It's not a bit unfair. The morning after test is very, very fair because you are impaired. If you're carrying that much of alcohol in your in your blood, you're just a, you're, you are, you're, you're a dangerous driver in that situation. And, and so really, they don't know uh, what it is, but they do fool themselves. And what, if, you, if you bring it to zero, just say, it's just not acceptable. If you drink, you don't drive. You don't take one, you don't take two. You're going to save lives by doing that. And if you put people off the road, you're going to save lives as well. It's okay. the most okay. appropriate punishment going. Is it, a ge- is it a generational thing, call. Shane, in the sense that maybe the penny has dropped with the younger generations, but it's the older generations, um, and some of them still driving when they knew when there was yeah. no real drink-driving legislation at all, and the older ones are the ones continuing to take a risk? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, it's both. I think. Is it? To be honest, I think it's easy enough to it's easy enough to say that there is that there's a cohort there amongst the other people who have never stopped because they've always done it. You know, it's it's kind of my generation, uh, people who are doing it in the eight, you know in the in the, in the 1980s over there. They've never stopped. Yeah, and they are they are dangerous, and they've never been. They've never they, they, they've almost refused to accept the change in the law. But there are there's a huge number of young males particularly males who are still drinking and driving and because they, you know, they're, they're, youth is youth and youth, youth takes foolish decisions, but they must not be assisted in this. They must be stopped in this one for their own sake and for the sake of innocent people. But I don't think the political will is that. I mean, that's the real message, I think, has got to come through. We're getting, we're getting noises from government and from ministers, and I think Jack Chambers is, is really doing working very hard at this, but I don't think he's getting the, politi- the political support from his backbenchers or from the Fine Gael backbenchers to take the necessary measures so, to save those but, So are you saying that in the lower levels of blood alcohol, where there would be, say, a €200 Euro fine, um, and then might move up to perhaps disqualification for like three months, you're saying that's too lax? It is. I think the, the figures are so... I mean, you've seen them. The figures are the worst for 10 years. This needs something. Some, this needs dramatic measures. If we're serious about saving lives, not just window dressing these problems and, and hoping it goes away, yeah, you 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 should now get to a situation where it should be zero. Yeah, that's yeah. the only way out of this: zero yeah. and take the people's car away. That's take, the only that's for how the only long? 
how long? I yeah. don't know. I mean, a year maybe. Something okay. so okay. that it affects them. You know, it, it affects their lives and is a real deterrent for people. And it makes life very difficult for them, so they don't do it again. Well, on the lower levels, would you allow somebody access to the car for, like they do in Australia, say, for an hour in the morning to take kids to school or for the pick-up in the no. evening? No. 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 Okay. No. Absolutely not. I think at this, at this stage, you're then getting into, ah, well, you've got, you, we're pleading, you have a reason for breaking the law, in effect. You're saying, well, it's different for me because I have to do X, Y, and Z. You've got to think about that. Before. But you see, it's very easy no. for you and those in Dublin. You've got a fantastic yeah. bus network. You've got the Lewis you've got the Dart, you've got all sorts of other things like that, access to taxis and Uber. Rural Ireland has none of that. That's correct. And I, I understand that fully. But it's, it's, there's an easy solution for this for them, is to work their way around being a dangerous driver behind the wheel. You know, there are, there are ways of doing it. I had a very, you know, about, when I was there, the Minister of State, Brendan Griffin, who's in Kerry, devised all sorts of very good ways of, of you know, taxis, people sharing, people sharing taxis. Uh, in, in rural areas and there are ways around it we, inter- we, we introduced the uh, what was known as the booze buses which were later in the evening so people could go out yeah. uh, in, 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 in rural areas without bringing their car and it is inconvenient I accept that but these are, their lives here need, I mean this is the thing they're innocent lives they're pedestrians we kill walking up the road by drunken drivers at the moment. Yeah, they, yeah, they, have, yeah. they have a right to protection, I'm afraid. Let me get the, let me get the public's thoughts on this, but just before I uh, let you go, it's a case that there mm-hmm. aren't enough guards, so there aren't enough checkpoints. The issue is not just yeah. drink driving anymore, but drug driving mm-hmm. into the mix as well, and sometimes both. Yes, it's getting worse, the drug driving. As a proportion, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting much larger as well, and that is, that is, that is awful. And, and the the figures, the latest figures from the medical bureau have, uh, have are showing that in fact the proportion of drugs drivers is getting far worse as well. So there's a recklessness there, and that's mostly young people rather than old people. So zero tolerance is the answer then in your in your in your opinion. I think so now. I think this, the, the figures. I mean, I'm looking at a graph in front of me, and I'm sure you got it as well. Yeah. Just showing that the, the, the figures and the numbers of deaths are rocketing. And that whatever measures have been announced are being introduced are just not working. Okay. It's as simple as that, and they've got to face this. Okay. Shane Ross, thanks for taking the call, as always. Uh, he's a former transport, tourism, and sports minister himself. Your thoughts are welcome on that text 0868104106 because the figures, particularly for the Christmas campaign, are shocking. They really are. Not to mention for the year, 184 people died on roads, some of them pedestrians, absolutely. It's up 20% nearly on the year before. 1,800 people were done for drink driving in the Christmas campaign alone. And over the Christmas period, 15 people died. It's speed or drink driving. Um, and I suppose speed is the same as carelessness, isn't it? It's a form of, 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 uh, of, of an offence, really. You know, carelessness can be speeding, not paying due care and attention. Text 0868 Your thoughts? The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Get involved in the conversation. Text 0868104106. And people have been all morning. Mentioned a story in the papers where there's been a huge increase in the amount of people earning over €100,000 in Ireland. It's got to be a good thing. People can rise their wages. Fair play to them. Go for it. But they're saying that as a consequence, that is driving up house prices. Neil, people who earned over hundred grand in the private sector ain't the cause of price house rising. It's about supply and demand. The country is in a housing crisis, but yet we keep letting thousands come in. This is the real reason. Call it as it is, please, and not the usual BS that the media puts out. The population has increased massively, yet the services and the amount of housing hasn't. 
cap visas, close the borders, start deportations. That will reduce the amount of housing that's needed. And other topics from uh, this morning's programme by text uh, on the Dublin Dublin child that was stabbed. I was delighted to hear that the little girl that got stabbed in Dublin is getting better. But I'm confused that there hasn't been one update uh, on radio or television about the young teacher that was also stabbed by that man in Dublin. Why? Says Mary Jane. Yeah, you're, you're right. Probably not as much attention, but there were reports last month that she was out of intensive care but still being treated. And you're right, nothing else since then. Uh, on litter, whether it's on the north side of Cork or down in Mahan, doing bad in the Irish Business Association's litter review, unfortunately, all too often. I live on the north side in the Churchfield area. In relation to the litter survey, can you ask the people who conducted this survey how many other parts of Cork City have several recycling centres? Walk from Cronin's Field to Lidl in Churchfield and you won't see a single Cork City Council bin. Also, how many people access Country Clean to dispose of their waste securely, etc., etc. Um, well, thank you for all of that. Um, and whether or not people should be allowed to use their phones at work. I worked in call centres for many years. We couldn't have phones due to the cameras. Uh, all customer accounts were full of personal details. So phones were considered a data risk. I kind of I get that. They would have feared that perhaps some staff members might be taking photographs with their phones. I understand that. And then lots then on uh, this morning's driving conditions. Black ice, black pool. My car was stuck and almost hit a neighbour's car when it just literally slid across the road. Neil, I can't come on air but your man from the council wasn't being 100% accurate. There have been been multiple crashes in and around Blarney. None of the roads seem to have been gritted. The roads are like ice again this morning out there and in the surrounding areas. But I can tell you one thing, Tony. Um, I imagine that issues like Farron Ferris Avenue and Blarney will be dealt with an awful lot better after this morning's calls because... Uh, council will react to it and they'll do better in those regards. I tried to come up Farron Ferris Avenue earlier. Luckily the residents ushered me away. I see th- I saw three cars in very precarious positions. Not sure what that means. Mary and Douglas, it's laughable that they're gritting footpaths around the City Hall 20 minutes after people have gone to work. You couldn't make this up. Turners Cross, Black Ice, avoid the area. Go into Blackpool Shopping Centre. There are loads of council workers walking around instead of out worker, out working. It's been like this and there's no exception today. I live in Tower between Blarney and Kerry Pike. Arctic trucks are stuck on ice and blocking main roads. We have a problem on this uh, way with up this way with Arctic trucks taking shortcuts instead of using the motorways set up for their road usage. It's very frustrating. Carnage in Blarney Village this morning, Neil. A truck crashed into a pole. Jackknife, two cars crashed, then another truck is stuck on the side of the village. Never mind the fact that we also heard this morning that a bus slid across the road and crashed. Got an email at 20 to 9 this morning from St. Joseph's School in Glanmire. It just isn't acceptable to have parents and students trying to get to school when the roads and footpaths are not in a safe condition. Uh, the message said, <coughs> Good morning all, Happy New Year. Please note that all roads and footpaths around the school are extremely icy and dangerous. Take due care on your way to school. Now, the texter says that the roads around the school should have been gritted. Um, <coughs> but St. Joseph's in Glanmire is located in an estate So maybe they forget about estates and the extremely dangerous uh, state of the roads and footpaths and the huge volumes of cars. The little junior infants going in today were nervous wrecks walking on footpaths. Uh, And another one or two for you. My kids couldn't get into school this morning in Blarney after getting off the 215 bus. It's a brand new school. Loads of teenagers were falling on footpaths and were injured. Mine couldn't get get, get home on a bus as the village was closed. We live in Mahan. 
and I had to crawl through the school in the car. Shame on the council with regards to gritting and icing. Um, and there's lots. Oh yeah. Oh listen, Tremore Valley Park and Civic Community Site closed until further notice. Paddy said it was made an awful lot worse because it rained last night on top of the icy roads and paths. Then a frost frost fell on top of it. Any gritting done before the rain was all washed away. Uh, driving through Ballincollig at half six this morning, I had a bus undertake me in the bus lane at over 50 miles an hour on a road that was lethal. You couldn't make it up. Slow down and drive with care, certainly in the coming days. Uh, keep your text coming on that one, and I will revisit it again throughout the course of the morning. An awful lot of other stories happening on Side over the past couple of days. Sad to see that the two Norries are hanging up their headphones. Their podcast came to an end at the weekend. Would you believe... And in total, I read the number this morning, they recorded 190 episodes of the two Norries podcast and they um, were inspirational to many, many people, James Leonard and Timmy Long. I will be chatting with Timmy Long, but I think it could well be early next week before we get an opportunity to catch up. And that's fine. And we can chat about, um, you know, all of the different episodes and the different people they dealt with and helped. But it's, it's a sad day. Um, I guess maybe podcasts just, just run their course. Uh, and it comes to a, a natural end. Other things actually came to, um, I wouldn't call them a, a natural end because it was very, very sad news to hear of other businesses uh, that closed uh, on Side. The Baldy Barber in Blackpool has the business up for sale. That's very sad. I'll come back to that a little later on. And the iconic Tung Sing uh, also closing their doors after a long, long time. Uh, I'll come back to that one as well. Also, Pigal, part of Tom Barry's operation on Barrick Street, closed their doors after after five years. There's big movement in the pub and restaurant trade. Unfortunately, not all not all good news. I know that, um, you know, um, Soho was taken over and reopened to 77 on Patrick Street, but at the same time, Electric is currently up for sale. And the Oyster Tavern, in spite of the fact they put millions into developing and renovating and refurbing the Oyster Tavern is also looking for uh, new operators and uh, it's up for lease or for rent. So all that and lots more besides this side of uh, midday today. However, uh, we were on air on Friday when the sad news broke of the passing of Con O'Leary, fondly known on Lee's side as Con the Robber. And in case you think that he used to get annoyed at being called Con the Robber, he did not. He never did. More on that also in a couple of seconds. So just a fast call, if you don't mind, because John's been holding down a West Cork for a long time. John, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Where are you, Lep? Is it a what area, West Cork? I don't know. No, I don't. I don't. Go direction. Where? Sorry, I missed that. Uh, in Chigila. In Chigila. All right. So tell me about this morning. No, I tell you, I, I was listening there, and I, I don't blame the guards over the speeding, and they're not going to cure it because they can't. Because the minute they put up a, a speed checkpoint, there's uh, some fella gets on his WhatsApp group and he warns the people that they're there. I have first class uh, experience. What's the name of that on. app that you can download, lads, uh, where everybody puts in speed check? Waze, W A Z E, W A Z E, Waze is another one. Yeah, go on, John. Yeah, it should be closed down completely. If, they, if, that's, if that's what they're using WhatsApp for in the phones, they, it should be blocked. And I'm sure the state could do that. They can do other things, but they blocked information from the general public all through COVID. 
they could block that kind of thing. So if on. there's a Gatso up along or if there's a Garda's checkpoint, you'll be flashed or warned or you'll get a message on we, WhatsApp, yeah. yeah. We had, a, we had a, a checkpointer up here one morning and she, uh, Ben Garda, caught a boat by about there and then just stopped and went out on air and they were all driving along at 30 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. Ben Garda was wasting our time. In fairness, though, you know, she yeah. was doing. You, you were saying, though, you see fellas driving a hundred kilometers in a fifty-kilometer zone. Well, they're, they're doing at least that. We were nearly knocked down one night walking dogs by a fella. I say he was touching the turn coming up out of the, uh, in Chigila village. No, that that's and that's no that's no lie. I have a witness that was with me. I I, I was in rallying years ago, and I'd know a speed. I'd know what they'd be doing, and they'd, they'd be often racing two of them. And the local guard did his job, and you can't blame the guards. So I don't blame the guards one bit for that. Well, the guards would be them. mad keen to catch them if they could. You can be sure of that. Yeah. No, no matter how, no matter how many guards are going to be there, they won't be able to catch them because they, be, they might catch a couple in five minutes, and then they have to move on. Because and it's the same with drinking driving. They're warning them about uh, checkpoints for drunken driving. So the guards, you can blame. No, I, I'm not. No, I'm no uh, fan of the guards in at times, but they're doing their job on the road, and it's a it's a bad job. So, what should be you done know? about it when we look at the amount of people that died on our roads last year, or the amount of people bagged over Christmas and what have you? I tell you, I, I tell you, and I was a culprit myself. If I was caught bagged, I'd be put off, I, I'd be put off the road for six at least six years, not not a year or any. And now another thing about speeding is they're getting away with the speeding fines. Because they're finding loopholes and they're finding superintendents and things in the guards that are letting them off. And that's the big problem. Yeah. You know, it's not I don't know about that, though. I mean, you're, that, we hear of those kind of stories, but I think with the pulse system now, it'd be easier, well, to, get off, it'd be easier to get off with murder than it would be to get off the bag, you know? Well, it, it, the, WhatsApp is a, it, the WhatsApp is a huge drawback. Oh, well, warning, warning people. So you think that people shouldn't be flashing others either, yeah? Saying, slow down, there's a greasy patch ahead. Oh no! no the, 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 this, this flashing. Uh, if if a fellow flashes me, no, I don't bother uh, even responding to the flash. You All know? right. Fine. All right. You know, you know, you know, where you're going to get stopped anyway because the lads set up their places. But, like, people shouldn't be warning other people that they're there. All right. Thanks, you know? John. Appreciate it, my man. Regards to you all down west along. Text 0868104106. Sad news, of course, over the weekend for all of Cork, but primarily up around the Gronherbrot area with the passing of the independent councillor and shopkeeper, Con O'Leary. Uh, they're talking now about renaming a stretch of road on the north side and calling it uh, Con O'Leary's, or I suppose more to the point, Con's Road or Cons Avenue or something like that. I think it's a great idea. I was thinking about it over the weekend and uh, I want to join Paul Byrne, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News because we go way back and there was one stage when we actually did a television programme, really successful television programme, multi- multi-channel called First Edition. So we'd have experience of Con on air, on radio, but also on television in the 90s. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So a sad, sad loss because he was much loved and was a very witty, passionate man who lived and worked for his constituents. Could you just, could you just recall the kind of news stories that were dominating local news on Leaside, say, in the 90s? What were they, Paul? Um, Neil, first of all, if I could just extend my sympathies to Con's heartbroken family because they have lost um, a father someone they love dearly and the city has lost 
one of the greatest characters that we've known for many, many years. Yeah. I know we say that about many, many people, but when it comes to or came to Conor Leary, he really, really was up there at the top. He was a gem of a man, and he will be so sadly missed. Um, in relation to stories from the 90s when Con was around the table at the City Hall, well, they're no different than they are today. They are, there was housing problems, there was drug problems, there was people trying to get medical cards, there was people trying to get into hospitals, the waiting lists were there. And Conor Leary was always out there at the front and centre um, trying to get people what they were entitled to. He fought tooth and nail on behalf of the people he represented. He was on the board of the and, HSE you know, for a long period of that, so he, he had... He had you know, he had a seat at the table, he in fairness. Clout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he had clout. And I tell you, he wasn't afraid to use the clout because it was there to be used. And he got what people were entitled to. He fought for them. And honestly, whatever red tape or whatever obstacles were in the way, Khan cut through the red tape. He jumped over the obstacles and he represented his people to the last. He was... He he never became Lord Mayor, but in my mind, we often say Jack Lynch, you know, the the real Taoiseach. Conor Leary was the real Lord Mayor of Cork. He was one in a million, and he fought on behalf of everybody. If you were entitled to someone, and if you had all the money in the world, or if you were the most vulnerable of the vulnerable, if you were entitled to something, Con went out there and got it for you. Yeah. It's a wonder that he wasn't ever Lord Mayor. Was it because it was at a time when independents weren't part of that pact, I wonder? Yeah, I mean, there, there was this pact between Fine Gael, Fine Foyle and Labour, I think it was, at the time, um, to, to you know, that they'd rotate yeah. the office of Lord Mayor every year. Um, that has been done away with, and thankfully it has, because we've got a great Lord Mayor right now, Kieran McCarthy, who's representing the city really, really well. But Con, I think he, he always wanted to be an independent, because he felt if he joined the party, he'd be muzzled, and he'd, he'd have to toe He the ran for National line. Parliament that, once. He ran for the all ones with the National Party. Do you remember that? I was looking at some of the election posters there at the weekend. Um, That's right. But you know, he, he, he even if he, if he, even if he did take a seat that time, he would still have fought. He wasn't going to be muzzled and, and become a, a Fine Gael or a Fine Foyle man by any means. But I remember when he was um, running for Leinster House, he got something like three hundred votes. And I remember meeting him up in Neptune Centre. We were covering it at the time, and I said, "Con, it didn't really work out." that well for you what have you learned con being con I learned that there's 6,000 shagging lawyers up the north side <laughs> <laughs> that was just so typical of him wasn't it that kind of a response unbelievable unbelievable he was superb I mean Con O'Leary not only was he an astute politician an astute and very shrewd businessman he would have made a great comedian because I remember I remember being down in Murphy's Brewery um, a couple of years ago, some years ago, there was a, a reception for some event. And Billa, Billa, the late Billa Connell was there. And Con had to go up and make a speech. And he opened the speech by saying, good evening, everybody, and welcome. He said, blah, blah, blah. He said, oh, I, I see Billa is down in the crowd. He said, Billa, when I was born, you were old. Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> That's a particular oh, type of Northside wish. <laughs> oh, Christ, he was brilliant. But, you know, I remember, again, you know, when I was working in... Uh, he could wither you, like, with a disparaging piece of, uh, you know, a piece of comedy. Like, you want to be minding your P's and Q's about him. I always picture him there standing there with the fag standing out the corner of his mouth, you know? 
Uh, oh yeah, he, he wasn't afraid to say what he uh, oh, was on his mind, yeah. and he took no he took no prisoners. He took no prisoners. But I remember just. It, it took no prison, but I remember pre-mobile phone days. We'll say, right? I was working in radio and what have you, and you'd ring Con, and they, I can still recall every time you'd ring him, he'd answer the phone, three double o six double nine, and that was the way he'd answer the phone, three double o six double nine, and the fag hanging out the corner of his mouth, and the cloud of smoke. You'd think there was a pope being elected. So the shop you know, was the shop was his constituency office, if you like, wasn't it? Over the counter a lot of the time. Oh, exactly. And you know, that shop, and for Con, and I mean this, you know, he, we knew what he did in public life and what have you, but I can guarantee you that there's plenty of people who only for Con O'Leary would have gone to bed hungry yeah. or would have gotten up in the morning without any breakfast. That's right. Con did a lot of work behind the scenes, with which was always very, very discreet. <laughs> he and he did. looked after people. Um, you know, if you couldn't afford it, he might put it in the book. And, you know, if you didn't pay, it wasn't going to kill him. He was just a people's person. And you're on there about the naming of the, the hill, Con's Hill. That's what it's known as. You know, the I don't even know what the name of the hill down to a shop is because I still call it Con's Hill. Like, we do have a road named after the late, great Dave McCarthy up the north side, a former Lord Mayor. Um, and I really think the political will must be there now to name the, the hill. It can be called Con's Hill, and it should be in memory of a man who served the north side just so, so well, and Did, he'll be sadly missed. Well said. I'll let you go, Paul, but before that, he had no problem with being affectionately known as Con the Robber, did he? Was it, was it that his prices were a little dearer, or what, do you know? Well, you'll always pay an extra few bob for the convenient, the corner store, you know, because I remember interviewing him. Actually, the first time I ever met Con, my dad, my late dad introduced me to him. I was only 12 or 13 at the time. And I remember, you know, you'd be introduced to a lot of people, but Con straight away. And my dad said, uh, Con, this is Paul. Ah, cheers, a small Burnsy. How are you, boy? And that's what he called that's what he called me for years, Burnsy, Burnsy, you know, it wasn't Paul, it was Burnsy. And in fairness, you know, even up to about two weeks ago, Con would text me from time to time following the news at half five and he said that was a lovely report this evening. Wow. So he would sit down and watch the half five news because he knew there was something from Cork on the news and all he wanted. He lived, breathed and, and you know, Cork was his life and the north side in particular but uh, he, um, there was one woman came into him he was telling me one woman came into him one day she said Con how much is that spice pan he says we'd say spice pan whatever 225 Jesus Con I can get that down in Ormond and the Harrods for 150 <laughs> well they don't open till 9 o'clock at night and that's why they call me Con the Robber <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it I love it oh my god I could listen to you all day leave it there Paul fair play to you the family will be so honoured with that lovely tribute the great Paul Byrne Southern correspondent with Virgin Media News. Way back in the 90s, of course, you could be a TD and a councillor at the same time. So I, I think in some ways that was very good. In other ways, it precluded others from becoming councillors. But they often told me when a TD was also a councillor, they could get an awful lot more business done, say, on the train to Dublin or up in Dáil Éireann, rather than waiting around for a Monday night. But that was the way. So you had very senior politicians on Lee side that also would have been councillors at the time and well retired now as Nola Flynn, who at the time would have been a Fianna Fáil councillor and indeed a Fianna Fáil TD at the same time, and a sparring partner of the late Conor Leary. Noel, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. How are you? And there, a happy New Year. And you too, Noel. All the fact. They're lovely stories yeah. that Paul Byrne recalls in fairness to Well, I, I, I was laughing because Paul didn't didn't say anything that was wrong anyway, I can tell you. He's, oh. he's, he had gone off to a tea, but look, 
Firstly, you know, I want to express my sympathy as well to Laurie and Tina, Deborah Ashling, and the uh, extended family of the late Con O'Leary. Uh, I knew Con, as you know, since 1991. A likeable person, not a harmful person, always had a great turn of of, of uh, phrase and, and very witty. Unbelievably and witty. Believe it or not, Neil, he was loved and adored by the people of Granada and that was proven every time he stood for election, even in the general elections when all the boxes that were open, they were number ones for Con. Yeah. And, and very few for Noel <laughs> and, and in those elections, you know. But um, Yeah, you described him uh, to the lads, Vicky Monier, and I loved yours. He, he really did have a heart of gold. Well, I'll tell you, Con was a great, he was a people's person. And always for the person, as Paul said, they're always for the people. And even when he left politics, he was still involved looking after people. I was a TD at the time, and I'd receive a, a call from Con once, twice a week about different issues that needed to be dealt with. And um, and we dealt with them over the over that period of time. The last time I met Con now was uh, at Joe Callahan's funeral. And I had Rexy rang Khan to tell him that Joe had passed away, yeah. and uh, yeah. it was great to see him there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Joe, Khan and Joe, by the way, were very helpful to Kenneth during the last general election. Okay. And um, I remember having a very difficult time myself in politics in ninety one, ninety two, and Khan and Anne, you, 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 just to tell you what kind of a couple they were, Khan and Anne contacted me and asked me to come up to the house. I was a counsellor at the time. I never said this to anyone in my life. And they handed me a prayer called, on a board, called Footprints in the Sand. And that's hanging in my hall since 1991-92. And that's how kind and thoughtful they were. And that's 32 years ago. Now, Con and myself were great sparring partners, as you know. I remember a couple of those sparring uh, episodes on air. Yeah, well, we had one, if you remember, the time you nearly collapsed uh, in 2002 when we were on about immigration and what Bertie was trying to do to me and Con was giving it to me heavy. And at the end of that, you said, oh, gee, persis, you, I'm going to have to lay down after this interview, you know. But we had, we had many, we had many. Do you remember that? Man? I do remember it now that you mention it. I couldn't <laughs> yeah, get a word we, in edgeways, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it but was, was great, it was great. But look, I just want to say, Neil, yeah. that um, yeah. just to let the people know, I was talking to Deborah, his daughter, this morning. Um, Con was on holidays with his daughter, Tina, and family in Puerto Rico and Gran Canaria. They were returning home at the airport, uh, gone through passport control or through the luggage or whatever, and then Con had a, sh- a shortness of breath. He was transferred to hospital uh, where he was diagnosed with pneumonia and his condition deteriorated and then he passed away. Oh, no, there are no funeral arrangements yet because people are asking about that. Uh, uh, the body is still in in uh, the Canary Islands yeah. and they're hoping to... I was wondering because I checked RIP this morning I didn't see anything yeah. so I understand there'll no. be a little bit no, of time yet be, before we know that'll be one big funeral don't you think? Yeah, it'll be the end of the week I think Deborah said before they will have him home mm-hmm. and 
uh, she asked me to mention on air that the family are overwhelmed by the support they have received from friends, family and from the public and from public representatives. Yeah. Well, they may be overwhelmed, but they shouldn't be surprised because he was... I know that, I mean, you could talk about him all day. I mean, like, I don't know how he was like behind the counter working in the shop, but boy, if you ever saw Conor Leary out, he was one dapper dresser. Like, his appearance really mattered, didn't it? He was a fine. Oh, he was sure. He was absolutely fantastic. Con is in business, by the way, fifty years this year, and um, uh, and passed away three years ago. His wife and uh, Con Con was Con was very well respected. Oh, and he did a great a service, great service to the people of the north side and all those other old rumours you heard about him were all false because he was a very he he was a very. Uh, generous, well, gentle, gentleman. But and if you were down in the dumps, he wouldn't be long getting up and, and and going again. You know. I wonder is that a north side thing, or would it be unfair to say that it's um, a, a typical example of uh, north side personality? Um, you know, certainly his wit was north side, wasn't it? Very much. Oh, sure, he was. Like he it. I mean, you, you, you were, you, you were under pressure when Conrad <laughs> get up to speak in case he'd pick you out for, and he singled me out and said. Several times and, and, <laughs> and cut, cut me down to size, I can assure you. <laughs> but, um, no easy thing I to do, do in all of Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> and do, I, I do agree that I hope that the City Council, in its own good time, will uh, commemorate his passing. There, uh, there's some kind some of dopey project. bylaw. They want to call the, that stretch of road Cons Hill, but Kieran McCarthy was saying at the weekend that somebody to get a, to a, to a recipient of that would have to be 20 years dead. So it would be great if they could bypass that bylaw, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know that whether that is the case or not. Apparently, that's the law. You'd have to be twenty years past before that could be done. But I hope that isn't oh, the yeah, case. I didn't know, but I'm sure in, in the fullness of time, uh, right. the Cork City Council, in its wisdom, will make uh, a decision that will commemorate the life of well said. Uh, well said, well said. No, look after yourself. All the best. God bless and thanks for taking the call. Makes little difference to the people, I suppose. It would be nice to get the name up on the on the hill and on the road. But anyway, people call it Con's Hill anyway, and they always have. Your thoughts on the late, great Con O'Leary. Text 0868104106. Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Talking earlier on about the dog that ate $4,000 and uh, ended up pooing it then or vomiting it and they were sticking the money back together again with sellotape having washed it. I was asking questions as to, you know, what dogs... I gave lists actually of ones in my life that dogs have eaten in the past. My dog ate all of the photo albums, Jack Russell, and then went to catch one of my pigeons, says Anthony in Limerick. Oh, dogs would be mad keen to catch a pigeon. Uh, I know a dog belonging to a neighbour of mine who would eat the stairs the doors, the architraves, the skirting board, and worst of all, the metal angle beads from the corner of the walls. I have no idea what those are, but I do know one thing. They're made of metal. They'd give it a go nonetheless. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. To those of you that were lovers of Mick Mulcahy's wind-ups back in the day, and there were volumes and volumes and volumes of them. They were all funny. I often say about the wind-ups from back in the day is some of the best ones never got to air because people weren't always keen to have it played on air and they were very, very, very funny. We live in different times now with regards to mobile phones and data protection and GDPR and stuff like that. But there was fierce fun to be had with the wind-ups years ago and all of them released on, on CDs and what have you. But one of them uh, was when uh, Conor Leary 
uh, was called for a wind-up by the great Mick Mulcahy in the 90s. I'm just trying to ask Mick what year it was, just to give it a bit of context. Uh, but I will give it a spin for you. I want to thank everybody at 96 FM for allowing me to play it this morning. I'm very much obliged. Thank you, Brendan. But just before that, um, and I see lovely texts coming in about Con the Robber. He was just uh, a class act. He really and truly was one of the greats. Paddy O'Brien advocates for the elderly and knew him well. Paddy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. The first thing I want to do is to sympathise with his wife Anne and his daughters. And I must say, I, I endorse the sentiments expressed by Paul Byrne this morning and uh, Noel O'Flynn. He was one wonderful person. When I think of Noel O'Flynn, my mind goes back to many years ago when it was announced that they were closing down the Norton Infirmary. Oh, From I forgot. That, that was another huge story. Well done, Paddy. I that, forgot that, that was one. A big, that was a big story. And over the last few days, that was completely forgotten about. He was, he was independent, but on his own, with his own, his own support throughout the city, organising protests outside certain politicians' um, uh, clinics. He went to Dublin to meet Rory O'Hallon at his own expense. He, was just, he did everything possible to retain the Northern Infirmary, and he kept on saying they're taking the hospital away for us. They want, they want the North people... <laughs> They want the north side people to die over on the south side. We don't want that. We want to die in the north and not north and from It should never have been closed, of course, but only it hindsight never, tells you that. Never yeah. has been closed. When I speak to elderly people and they speak about the care that they're getting in hospitals in Cork today. They'd always finish up and they'd say, Haha, that wouldn't happen in the Norton Infirmary, and rightly so. It would not, because the, the, the nuns who ran the Sisters of Charity, they were compassionate, they were caring, they were concerned about yeah. the sick person. Yeah. But in the hospital, it's, it's a totally different, different scene today. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like the old Norton Infirmary. Another great thing he did was that <clears throat> he... Um, there was a, 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 a building around to the corporation called, it just called it the hut. And he took that over with monthly socials for elderly people on a Sunday afternoon. And I can say this, that there was no, there was no other, nothing else on the ground abroad at that time. Didn't he organise trips, didn't he organise trips to y'all for the less well off? He's doing that, trips as well, trips down to y'all on a Sunday afternoon. And, and, and as, as, as well as that, <clears throat> When when he was a young man, there was a, a wonderful priest up in the, the grown up rock. He was the parish priest, Father uh, Father Horgan, and he set up something. And said, "Okay, we've nothing here on the hut, so I'm going to build a hall." And okay, Con, as a young man, was very involved fundraising for, for that. Mm. Um, mm. And it's, as already says that the shop was used as a clinic, but if things got a bit sort of uh, more important, he take it across the road to to his house. Now. Yeah, that shop would be open till darkness every and he'd even open oh, on Christmas yeah, yeah, Day but I know cases yeah. I know cases I know the recipients of what I'm speaking about now the recipients that, and if, if you came, heard of a case of Mrs. O'Brien or Mrs. McCarthy or Mrs. Kelly whatever the main names are and they were going through a bad stage at, at that particular time Late at night, he'd go up with groceries, and that—that's genuine. He—he he did that. No, my God, he was a funny man. How he many was a funny people man. would do that today? And he was a funny man, and he told me himself. I'm not saying he told me himself. No, whether he was joking me or not, that he was a way to be a brother. 
Whether right. that was true or not, I, I don't know. Christian that. brother. Himself, yeah. 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 Well, I was a Christian brother, some form of religious brother, and that the first thing he experienced when he came out was the Beatles were in Dublin. Now, that's, <laughs> I remember that conversation quite well. Yeah. Yeah. He left that day, and, and when he saw the excitement, because he had never heard of the Beatles, he saw he was, but he said so he was a brother. Yeah. I remember another funny incident, and you were involved. Oh, God. Matt, Many, many years ago with the radio programme over in the, um, yeah. the George's Key, yeah. and I was working with the Irish Heart Foundation at that time. I was always promoting the dangers of smoking and blah, blah, blah. And um, you were interviewing me. <laughs> that was okay. But he came on the air and said, I said Paddy O'Brien has a sneaker fag known again. He only says he doesn't <laughs> He doesn't say he doesn't smoke. I, I often saw him smoke around the corner. <laughs> I laughed because I never smoked in my I never smoked in my life. Yeah, he'd never lose the opportunity to have a bit of crack or a bit of a wind up. Yeah, no. a ball hop, as we call it. Was, when I, when I think of the I think of Con was it, and you were involved in this. You were interviewing him, and he was talking about when he was a younger man, and he got onto the arcade and as he said to himself, he'd get a shift, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> walking up McCorton Street and he said I was with someone he said she was from Tanakilty <laughs> I was very young she was young Jesus to see she was thrown onto my arm I was from McCorton Street I said I had to sit down on the steps then the path to sell to take a break I was breathless from her <laughs> he said that on your program many years I think years he ago. also went on to wonder how she was going to get back to Clonakilty but it certainly wasn't yeah. going to be his problem and he sauntered away up to the north side himself <laughs> that's right Jack. he told lovely 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 stories and I knew him for the, I knew him for many years okay with lots of things I said he probably would never agree but he gave me good support with the over 60s because the first he's ever in was organised with, 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 with um, Con O'Leary. Would that have been the parochial hall then, or, or what? No, oh no, no. It would be. Um, it was the house. The oh, house, the, the famous house. Yeah, must have been yeah. a big house. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's developed now and it's extended today, but that was utilised then for the senior citizens. And originally, it belonged, but well, it was belonged to the corporation and the use as a hut, which was, was there. But he he made use of it. And it would like he would be known like, throughout the city as as Con the Robber. But I'd have to say this and fairly he was a very genuine, sincere man. The things he was doing, he didn't blow about it and he was used to help well people behind the scenes. Well and said. they're the kind of people I I I I, I admire. Well and he's he's the big loss. Because if you meet him, you can always leave uh, leave him and say, oh God, well, you know, leave him rather, but it's something funny. He was I know. A great it's very man sad. It's five it's years funny. since I spoke to him on the air, and all weekend I was just kicking myself that he wasn't on more in the last four or five years. The opportunity was lost. It's sad, but you know, it, he was yeah, still. Well, and I think that's, that's the interview. Yeah. That I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah. They went to the arcade yeah. and they and he, he was passing Thompson's and he was said, I don't know if he said to him, like, he said it was 11 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock at night, and he said, if Thompson's are open, I went in last where they'll get a cream donut to give to a woman. Right, he said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to sustain her on the road to Clon. Lovely bad. words. Well said. Well said, Paddy. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, so a great storyteller. God bless. Take care, Paddy O'Brien. Um, another councillor at the time who actually went all the way to be Lord Mayor and a fine Lord Mayor he was and a wonderful man, the great Dino Cregan joins me by phone. Dino, good morning. Good morning, Ian. How are you, boy? I'm good, I'm very sorry to hear Another good one gone, Dino. Great character, a class character. He was well able, very well able. And he carried the flag in particular for the people of the North Side. 
and it, and spoke his mind and let, let you know when you when 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 you were wrong, and yeah. he done that with me. Yeah. We had arguments, but we were very very close, very close. I was very fond of him. Yeah, he was a, he was an able de- he was an able dealer in council, wasn't oh, well, he? He was he was well able. able, and he didn't have to have speeches in front of me speak from his heart. That's what I liked him a lot, a lot for. He voted against me for the development plan in '82. And we we won it we won it on the casting board for the city, and I I I argued with him and I I had him aside in the, in the Lord Mayor's office and he said I'm not voting for you and he made it quite clear I said I tell you what you do now, you're a great friend of my now sign and I'm I'm I know you for years and I loved him a lot I really did like him a lot yeah I said you see the door there now open it and leave. And he left by, and he, and he voted against me. But what he was the contentious issue? What was the, just without dwelling on it too much? What was the one that he, he voted? He the wouldn't... five-year development plan for the Cox City, the, the city storage, and the north side got the best of it because that was done first before the south side when it when it was being done yeah. as a development plan. Yeah, that's most important. That the storage that time was going into the, the North River Lee, and it was the dryness. So we had to get that done. We walked at that stuff from from the north down to Water Street. That pipe is underground. And, and did he and, think and that the, the money the could have been... Or was it a case that he felt the money could be better spent for the people or, or what? No, he made it quite clear because other fellas on the north side were voting against him because they felt that the north side was underdeveloped, which it was. It was really... Un- but they were right, they were right though, weren't they, Dino? Because it's even more underdeveloped certain areas of it. Oh, than Jesus, I mean, north side is getting the north. Didn't never, it was never pushed. For instance, I've always said that something from University College Cork should be there on the north side of the city, yeah. up around the Fountain Ferris area. There's no reason why something like that couldn't have been done for Cork. Yeah. And would be would be all for pushing that now, God be with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very, very sad. He had a great wit, though, it, didn't it he? Not, not unlike yourself. He was a great raconteur. Of, of he was very good to people that were less well off, especially in the, in the Grand area. Yeah. I know that of old, and an awful lot of people know of it. Yeah. There's going to be a big turnout for Conor Leary now. Yeah, yeah. He, you describe him as, in Cork parlance, a decent character. A decent a character. A great character, a lovely man. I mean, and by the way, may I say this, not nobody's food. He was well able, like. Okay. Very well able yeah, to yeah. to come out when he needed to come out. He, you, we need more characters like him at local level. Well said, Dino. Well said. Well said. Good to catch oh, up God, with you over. Oh, oh God, yes, I have. And his family, and Mary and myself, and my family, very upset when we heard this. Right. And I mean, I could, talk, I, I could stand with him and talk for an hour with him. And I suppose it's even an amazing thing that for 50 years he managed to keep an independent shop open day and night in spite of all of the big chains that came in, your Lidl's right. and your Aldi's and your... Because he's a great brain, how to do it, he know how to work on it and who to look after and who not to look after. He was well able and his family was. I, I really have to say we're losing one o'clock's best now when we're losing time. OK, we'll have a, a listen to him in action with a Mick Mulcahy wind-up. You're no, you're no stranger to the wind-ups either yourself, in <laughs> fairness. Mick was really able for me now, Neil. <laughs> Look after yourself, Dino, as always. Pleasure talking to you. Always, 
How is he? He's in great form. He'll be on the air now for the next couple of weeks from Monday. So uh, he'll be up and running and rocking and rolling. He's in great form. Lead well done, Byron. Keep it up. And you're yourself. one of our best and you're doing another song. I, I remember dealing with you long before. What is it? It's over 35 years ago oh, now we've done it. So you're yeah. still doing it. And keep it up and Try speak well of time today. All right, but well mind yourself, fair play. One of the Cork greats himself, the great Dino Cregan. It's 45 years, actually, Dino, my old friend. 45 years on the air. It doesn't feel it, but it certainly is. After the break, uh, Conor Leary in action, back after the The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Okay, we're actually talking about 1996 here with Mick Mulcahy catching Con the Robber. Not once, actually, but twice. Uh, I gave him an early Christmas present at the back end of 1996. Big breakfast. Now, here's one of our most requested wind-ups, and great to put it on tape, actually. We caught this guy, Con O'Leary, a city councillor from Cork's north side, once fairly tamely. Well, this was after nine months of Con waiting in paranoia about getting caught. In fact, rumours abound that he told someone exactly where to go on a Saturday morning, that person being connected to a certain minister's office, and he was quite embarrassed about it. But as I say, they're just rumours. Anyway, we caught Con once fairly tamely, and just when his guard was down, and winding up for Christmas... Excuse the pun. We rang Con again to see if we could catch him big time. Hello, is that Con? It is. O'Leary. Speaking. Uh, Pat Dwyer is my name from <laughs> Avenue. How's it going? Not too bad. Come here, I'm after getting shot down for the medical card. Uh, I said I'd give you a buzz, like, because you're my public representative, you know. Right. Uh, how am I fixed, like? Did you apply for it, you did? Well, you applied for it, yeah. And then you got the phone back in the door, shut down, right? They told us, like, you'd forget it, you know. Why? I like, don't know. I mean, well, I want £220 a week, but I thought that would be under the limit, like. £320 a week? Uh, like, how many kids have you? Three kids. And a wife? And a wife, yeah. Five and a half? Five and all, yeah. I'm only just asking you this now. If I get a Debbie Gort house, which is the have the answers. Like, is the wife working or? She does a bit of part-time work, like. On the books? Well, half and half, you know. But, like, like honey, just, when you're off, get that bring you over 400 pounds a week. Yeah, but I mean, a case in point, you know, like, the dog got sick, right? I'd take him to the vet. That the was, dog? That was 15 quid, like, I mean. The, the dog? The dog got sick as well. I would take him, that's 15 pounds at the vet, like. Where are I now? I mean, I just wonder if I did get a card, like, would, would the dog be covered as well for the for the vet practice, like? Jesus, you not cover a dog at all? You, Jesus, you don't get paid to take a dog to a vet I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about getting paid for it at all. I'm just saying to have the dog covered, like. You know but what I mean? You don't get covered on the medical card for a dog? Don't get, don't get bogged down the dog, shag the dog. I just want to find out if I'm entitled to this card or not, or is there any few strings you could pull for me? Okay, how much of the total income to the house is every week? Okay, you're 320. Would you put the wife down for 100 that they know? Would you put her down for 80? Yeah, no, 40 pound a week. And do you own the house? Oh, we do, yeah. No rent? No, no rent, no. We have a bit of a mortgage, like. Would it be big, like? You know, 60 pound a week, I suppose. Crazy. You'd never get a pat, like. No, I'd be willing to try it, right? But, like, I don't think you've a hope in hell. But why not, like? Surely I'm entitled to it. But you see, you're over the limit. So what's the limit? I have two cars to run, like. You know, I have health insurance. That's what I need. I need to knock off the health insurance and get covered on medical, you know? You have two cars to run? I have two cars to run. The wife has her car and I have mine. Two That's... old bangers, like? I know. Well, uh, the wife's is 94, mine is 96. You have two cars in the drive, right? Between the two of you, you have nearly £400 a week coming in. You want a couple of bob or, or, or the dog to be covered on a medical care? I know, no, don't and get me wrong about the dog. I mean, the dog was just a case in point that cost me £15 today, like. 
So I, I'm just saying. Jesus, like, that must be very hard now coming into Christmas. Money doesn't grow on trees. It is, you know. Jesus, like Pat, you you, you could never hope on this one. They'd never go for a pat. Like I mean, they genuinely know. I mean, I can ring them now and I can talk to them about it, right? But they just fucking would strangle me. I know it. Like I know they'd blow their cool now. And it would be practically impossible to make an argument. You don't really expect a medical care, do you? I would have thought if anyone could get me one, you could. No, in good, like, but there's a difference between good and being God. Ah, uh, come no, on. Like, at 320 loan, like, you know, you, you... Jesus, Pat, you'd never get it. I know that you have a million, a chance in a million of even getting it, you know? No, oh, are you having a problem in the world, first of all, now? In ringing the help, what about that? I don't want you to get me wrong. But I don't want to be raising your hopes either. Well, sure, that's, that's an obvious cop-out, like. Not a cop-out. All you're saying to me there is that you'll give him a buzz and you'll say, oh, gee, I had some fill on the... He has no hope anyway. Anyway, I'll tell him I called you, right? I mean, there are people, like, in dire straits around you, Pat. Like, they can't get medical care. No, I'll do it for you. You'll get it so, will you? No, I'll ring him for you. You'll ring him for I'll me. ring him. I'll talk to your welfare officer in the area, right? But I tell you something, I know that they're going to ask me, am I off of my chuck? You have no hope in the whole world of getting it, like, you know? Pardon, come on, you can pull a few strings. Just come on. pulling strings now and they're fucking dragging the rope up the river for you. What's the point? No, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the gang of water for you. I know of a pat. I mean, like, I know you appreciate that. No, don't get me wrong, right? Jesus, I would have thought it's the most obvious thing in the world why you're refused, you you're know? getting angry here now. You're very angry. I'm getting very angry here now. I know, I can understand why you're getting angry, but I mean, like, can you understand my situation when I get up to the health board? Come on, do it, come on, you oh, can no, do it, man. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not your servant at all. You're close to that infirmary. You know, you better make that call. Over this, right? You better make that call and make it fast, boy. You're, you're ringing me and you're asking me to do your favour and then you're f***ing me over the phone. You must be joking, kid. 400 quid coming into a shagging house and you want me to get your medical card? For Christ's sake, are you... Uh, Pato, you, you must be somewhere realistic on this one. Are you going to get me the card? I can't promise a card. am I going to come down to that? Shot. The last fella that tried that kid is still in the f***ing intensive care. You come down if you like, but if you're fond the f***ing hospitals, right, you can take your choice. If you want to spend Christmas at home with your family, that's grand. If you want to spend an intensive f***ing care, you come down. But if you think that I take this from you when you're asking me to do something for you, right, you're going the wrong way about it. And well, you bloody well know you're going the wrong way about it. You're the one who's making the money, kid, right? Don't you get mad at me. You can't have bloody services going around the bloody city. And don't you threaten me. Just in case you don't know, by the way, this call has been recorded. I record all my calls coming through. Is that a fact? That's a fact. Well, just in case you didn't know it, so do I. But I have a big difference in my call. What's the difference in your call? Because I have the number one independent radio station in Ireland to play my recorded phone call on. If you think now that they're going to play that for you, kid, you don't know them up in 96, kid. I'll play it myself. Just remember now who is the public representative, a public representative, and they actually up there wouldn't stand for your type of abuse to any public representative because they know well how hard I work in this city. They actually pay me to do this. To do what? To make wind-ups for the people of Cork. Morning, Con. Oh dear. Go on. Hello, Con. Go on. This is the moment you've been dreading. This is Mick Mulcahy, and you're on Cork's Big Breakfast again. 
on the cross Christmas week and I told they relaxed thinking you were out of the <laughs> way <laughs> did you think I was coming down to you I don't believe I don't believe it you no it's simple as this Con you were far too uh, polite far too straight on the last one even though you were caught we had to get a few expletives out of you you know no, I don't believe it, you big. Pat to you. I know what it is. It's not going and feck off this morning. Although it's been said many times, many ways. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yes, no, in my wildest dreams, couldn't you. be true. Happy Christmas, Con. Thank you very much. And the blessings of God in, on you and yours. <laughs> and enjoy the intensive care, because if it is Mick McCaggy, you're going to be spending Christmas in intensive care, so I hope you'll find the hospitals. <laughs> and I'll get you in, because I'm on the health board. Yeah. Looking forward to rubbing you up the wrong way in 1998, Con. Good morning. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, it looks like you've got to check the downside, as well as the marks and perks, when you're a politician. Mick <laughs> Mulcahy. Of Rogue that Mulcahy, but that was great fun. The late, great uh, Con O'Leary. May he rest in peace. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. All right, live radio, guys. The only game in town. But there is just a huge explosion in the amount of podcasts out there. You know, podcasts really are like, like confetti at a wedding, right? Um, there are so many of them, but very few are actually worth listening to. But there's a new one uh, that has just been launched uh, by Ivan Yates and Matt Cooper. It's called Path to Power. I was listening to some clips over the weekend of uh, the new podcast that the two chaps have. And then I did a bit, a bit of a deep dive into Ivan Yates, the man. Um, he's making some incredible Nostradamus-like um, predictions these days that Mary Lou will be the next Taoiseach, that Sinn Féin will take 70 seats, that um, Michael McGrath will take take over from Michal Martin, that Fianna Fáil will ditch uh, Mike Michal Martin. In fact, that Fianna Gael will ditch Leo Varadkar and replace him with Simon Harris. Uh, he talks about the fact that Mary Lou's never been in power. Um, she'll have a big problem dealing with the civil servants and could end up running because Sinn Féin will get an awful lot of extra seats that he, she could actually end up running a party full of head the balls, he says. Uh, and that the 40-somethings out there are angry as hell and they've had enough of their parents' type of politics and it's going to be seismically different as we head into 2024 and a possible general election by the end of the year. He joins me by phone. Ivan, good morning. Neil, you have been listening. Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you. I actually enjoyed it. And I came away uh, from a couple of hours' work on your behalf last night thinking to myself, boy, I really miss that man on the radio. Are those days gone now? Well, I, I filled in for, for, for Pat Kenny and Anton Savage just uh, as a busman's holiday last week, last few days. But uh, no, I, I moved from living full-time in Dublin in the summer of 2020. Situation was, as part of my legacy with bankruptcy, I had a, I, I'd got my discharge, I was working away, uh, and night and day with, with Matt on, on TV3 and yeah. Virgin TV and so on. And I uh, completed a court case where I won my family home. And Deirdre said in uh, the summer of 2020, well, I'm going to live in this lovely house we have in Enniscorthy. And I said, well, who's going to dress me and feed me? So I had to follow suit. So I, I jacked in all my full-time media commitments and I'm doing other things now and it's it put it like this. Matt rang me out of the blue in June and he said, I'm on my deathbed here in COVID. He said, 
how about we reunite? And I said, look, I've actually had loads of offers about podcasts. I want to know there's decent production on it because I deserve an OBE for my broadcasting efforts, other <laughs> buggers' efforts. Researchers, editors, producers do all the work, and I take all the credit. And so basically, so we'll sort that out. And I said, well, the second thing is, how do you finish a podcast? You know, because they tend to sort of, the same old gags in the Peter and basically so we agreed to do 52 up to the time that the next government will be formed because the difference being uh, 21, 2, 3, 4 we're 21, 2, 3 no election four elections coming together local Euros yeah. Hood Ross elections yeah. in June and general election as well So you see Mary Lou as most definitely the next Taoiseach, taking 70 seats. It's, it's extraordinary, actually, because it's kind of backed up by the Sunday Independent poll that has Fianna Fall now with the same amount, if there was an election in the morning, of seats as, say, the Independents. What's happening to Fianna Fall? Oh, it's, well, it's, it's, even, it's even stronger than that. Like, yesterday's poll had Fianna Fall at 17%, the Independents around 30%. They're actually matching Sinn Féin. And in fact, two things on the poll. There was an I, I, so I predicted, and I would predict, because there's a variable in the polls, Sinn Féin will get between 58 and 72 seats. It's an enlarged doll of 174 instead of 160. The magic figure to form majority is over 88. So obviously that raises the question, they're not going to form the government on their own. How are they? So basically my take on it is that, uh, give or take, because of retirements that Fine Gael will do worse than Fianna Fáil, somewhere around... 25, uh, you know, David Staunton, you haven't got, but I could go all over the yeah, country and Donegal yeah. to Kerry. They were decimated by retirements. And the history books show, you know, when Dick Spring steps down, Labour don't hold the seat. You know, and I could go through many, many examples of, you know, and will Michael Creed seat be held, and so on and so forth. So basically, we are facing a situation where I think Fianna Fáil will actually hold up better, get around 35. Uh, I believe what may happen is that Michal may have his eye on the presidency in 25. And, you know, rather than go into government with Sinn Féin, he might step aside. The next leader uh, might be more amenable to it, or strictly on the basis that, look, they actually got more seats and votes in 2016. And after four years of confidence and supply and opposition, they went down. Mm. So I think Fianna Fáil are a party of government. They will convince themselves in terms of their personal careers and the national interest they'll do it. But uh, there is a variable and, 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 and migration has become a real potent polling issue. Uh, now 26% say it's the number one issue. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at the results in, 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 in Holland, in Italy, where the voters seem to be heard is when the ballot box are open. It may not feature. So she, she's very debate. much reading the room in regards like that, Mary Lou, isn't she? Even at the weekend, she was talking about three hundred grand should be the price of an average Dublin home, and accordingly, Cork as well. She's saying Ukrainians shouldn't have been given special entitlements and shouldn't have been given special status. She's literally just reacting to what people are thinking, right? Yeah, politics is a simple game. Find out what the people want and give it to them. But you say that she lacks the killer instinct. She she may be ruthless. You think? No, female, no, no. Think, I, I know, no, no. I was saying. I was saying the thing that distinguishes. Sorry, you ha- sorry my apologies. Yeah, yeah. And the, I think that she has. The she killer has the killer instinct. She's absolutely ruthless. But the big question mark for her. She's never been a minister. Uh, she. How will she deal with the civil servants? How will she deal with the media? It's a big jump for her. Like there's no doubt. You know, I believe that. 
you know, people in the 30s are going to vote Sinn Féin. Why? Why, 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 why? Oh, absolutely, because, uh, very simply, they believe that the over 55s, the boomer generation, has screwed them over. Uh, they have their houses, uh, whereas the younger generation, home ownership, uh, between 33 and 45, if you look at the ESRI figures, has gone decade in, decade out, 70s, 80s, 90s, naughty, from 90% down to 60%. They, the cost of rent is more than the cost of a mortgage, and they're not able to get over that hump. And, and you, you said recently, your quote is saying recently, uh, 35 year olds now realise they would be renting in their 60s while still having to work longer. It's pretty depressing for because them. Because their defined benefit pension is gone. And, and uh, there was an assumption, you work for 40 years, you get 50% of your salary, you have equity in your own home, and you can retire. That is not a prospect this generation faces, and they're as angry as hell about it, and they are the real zeitgeist of change driving the Sinn Féin bus. But how do they know that Sinn Féin will do any different to decades and decades of decades of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and Labour, a bit of the PDs? Absolutely of the valid question. Absolutely valid. It could be even worse. You could have a situation that what's actually paid for everything is in Cork the likes of Apple paying $24 billion in corporation tax. What if there was a left-wing government and they fled... And we went back to four or five billion from corporation tax. So there's a, I, I'm not in any way, I'm actually agnostic uh, in, on the issue of will a Sinn Féin led government be good for the country? Will it solve the housing problems? I'm not saying that for one moment. My business is just to tell you yes, yes. what's happening in the trend. Yes, yes. And does that include the fact that you recently said that they will get this wash of new seats, but she could actually be running a party that's full of a lot of head the balls, you said? Well, put it like this. Uh, I wouldn't underestimate the technocratic depth uh, of, of, of Sinn Féin. I think Sinn Féin's real plan is to be in government north and south uh, for 10 years and to have a border poll. That's the one thing that I believe their DNA, they want to get out of bed for. As opposed to socialism or sustainability or migration, they are just populist issues that they will drive. What yeah. they really, really care about is a border poll. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do we wonder at all, though, enough about... Who's actually pulling the strings of Sinn Féin? You, you did reference that in a couple of, uh, of newspaper yeah. articles I read at the weekend. The answer, the answer to it is I actually don't know. The, the, sorry, the, the, the Owen, Owen Harrison traditional view of the world is that there's a clique, a cabal in West Belfast that's the Ardcoria that pulls Mary Lou's strings. I actually don't know whether it's the same as the other parties that actually a cabal of Mary Lou, uh, maybe Owen O'Brien and Pierce Doherty actually decide. Because, you know, the truth is there's a pyramid structure in all parties. The leadership has a coterie of people around them and they make the decisions. They don't, you know, stick their finger in the area in the air and talk to their delegates and their activists on every issue. They they, they actually have a cohesive group and I think Sinn Féin might be safe. But to answer your question, who decides for Sinn Féin? I don't know, but they are definitely a 32-county influence rather than just the 26 counties. Yeah, but you have to worry, and, and you have made the point on a number of occasions, she's never been in power, she's never been a minister. Uh, you talk about a cabal, and I'm not comparing the civil service with a cabal from West Belfast, but isn't it the civil service that runs the show? I mean, you're a former minister. It must have been exasperating yeah. for TDs newly into Dáil and realising, actually, you know what? We don't have any power at all here. Yeah, the permanent, the permanent government, uh, uh, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Uh, there's continuity. Uh, but they have to, you know, if the minister says, I want to do this, 
the best thing the minister can say is, and tell me how you think it's best I can achieve this. Because yeah. if you try and bludgeon them into doing something in a manner and a scheme that they want to, want to do it, you won't get the best out. But you have someone like Tony Blair, who had no ministerial experience. Uh, you know what I mean? So like, it's not unheard of. And she is 54 years of age. She's been in politics a long time. She has brought the party from a really rocky position in the first year of her leadership. She has rebranded the party. She is feminist. She is urban. She is feisty. She talks in terms about an unequal world. This ticks a lot of the boxes of the 30-something voter. And what do the what do the likes then of Fiona Fawn and Fiona Gale have to do between now and are, are, you, are you suggesting maybe November for a general election? Whenever it is in the next well, year, what that, do they have that, to do? That is actually that is the most fascinating thing because the main discussion I'm hearing inside the cabal of Fine Gael's righteous is they're looking at a situation wherever you go because Sinn Féin did so badly in the local elections they could triple their seats they go from eighty to two forty. They will then have poll-topping candidates primed and ready to be general election candidates. They will develop a narrative, you know, if they have a successful outcome saying, look, this is a lame duck administration. They've been in power this long. It's, it's time for change. Dead man walking, clinging on to power. Go in the name of God, go. Yeah. It'll build up to a Christian. Leo actually spots this, and Leo wants to hold the election, I think, in June. At the same time, gazumping Fianna Fáil not to get their shiny new candidates. Uh, a difficulty with the dual mandate. Do people go for the local or the dual elections? And the problem is that Fianna Fáil are not on the same page. They said, you've agreed to uh, a five-year term, five budgets, and stick to it. Yeah, but what promises do they have to make? I mean, we know of taxation and housing and health and migration and crime, same as it ever was. Like, like nothing ever changes yeah. regardless of who's in power. If there's one thing that I've learned is that the harder that you work, the more you get screwed. The lazier you are, the more you get given. You know, the employed are like mice on a treadmill. You know, it, it, that nothing makes any difference. So it is just, would it be more empty promises from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael then? Well, well I did, first of all, Fianna Gael's problem is I have an iron rule of politics unless you're in China or Russia once you've done 12 years Blair Bertie Thatcher you just you, you know if you stand up this one I'm going to do Neil on housing or health people say Mace you had 12 years to do something on housing or health move on so I think that's Fine Gael's real problem and Richie Sunak faces the exact same problem the Tories in power Cameron and Clegg 2010 and, and I don't think there's anything Sunak can do about that I think Keir Starmer will win and become the next uh, uh, British P- P- PM what can they do well actually if you take any point in time, because politics follows economics, full employment, huge budget surpluses of several billion, um, you know, inflation coming under control, uh, public finances, everywhere you look, you'd say that, that government's doing rather well. And yet, uh, dissatisfaction with the government is, 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 is a... Because you can't get into a hospital and you can't buy a house. Exactly. But that, sorry, I would say that that actually is in the eye of the beholder. I actually think young people have decided they're going to vote differently to their parents' party. And that is what's new, what's different. It's not just a fad. It's actually, you know, like you hear, when you listen to Blind Boy and different people like that, they call Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil rather, uh, you know, abusively, two cheeks of the one arse. Yeah. And that that's where the sentiment is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you got to wonder why it matters at all. I saw Sean Kelly recently, the MVP, saying that 70% of our laws are actually controlled, drafted and imposed from Europe. 
and that's that's the reason why the green agenda and sustainability and getting rid of uh, boilers in, 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 instead of heat pumps on houses and electric vehicles and all the stuff for agriculture is here to stay because Europe is going to do it. It's not dependent on the Green Party. All of these new directors, uh, directors on sustainability, uh, finance, on uh, buildings, efficiency buildings yeah. and solar panels and insulation, all of these are now becoming uh, a corporate sustainability reporting, are all becoming national law. And in my view, you know, Brexit actually killed Euroscepticism. Um, and that was, forget the impact. No one is saying, oh, we want to follow the Brits. That really enhanced the power of, of Europe. When Ukraine was invaded in February, um, people said, who's going to defend us? They looked to, to Europe. And, and in my view, you know, the lesson of COVID was that Europe could achieve with 360 million more than any member state when it came to vaccines or PPE. So the only show in town, in my view, in terms of future power, government and governance is Europe. Yeah, but why do we need so many TDs then, if that's the case? What are they all sitting on their hands? Well, there's a constitutional provision of a ratio to the population. Our population is increasing a million every decade. So that's the reason for that, why we have more TDs. Whether there any use, Neil, is up for you and your listeners to decide. All right, and for you and uh, Matt Cooper to discuss at length in the new podcast. You're into, it's, is it second episode or first episode already, Path to yeah, Power? Yeah, the first one was a review of the year and we actually formally launched it then. Uh, last, it goes up every Friday, uh, Path to Power. As I say, it's, it's very focused on politics. may cover the US and UK as well, but principally Irish politics. Like Leo is saying, oh, I was just saying, what about a 24 election? Knowing that it's going to be a 24, not a 25 election, we're not planning at the moment. What I try and do is say, this is what they're saying, Neil, but this is what they're thinking. But do you, just very finally then, because it's important to Cork, I have a Vox Pop actually, and I'll play it tomorrow as to whether people would vote for Micheál Martin for president. Do you think he'd make the presidency if he quits Fianna Fáil? That he'd actually become president? Uh, I, 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 I think the circumstances of his departure are such that he could have been the next EU commissioner, if he wanted it, I believe it is Fianna Fáil's uh, choice, and he could have taken it. And it's not a big leap from foreign affairs. I hear Mary doesn't want to live in Brussels. As regards his presidential prospect, yes, I actually do believe he's very electable, particularly a Sinn Féin or in government, because they mightn't want uh, a Sinner in, in the park and in Mary Street. But I think his. The thing about Mihal, yesterday showed he was the most popular of all the leaders at 44%. Yeah, but look at Holly Kearns. Secondly, she's, storm- she's, she's just playing a blinder, isn't she? No, I think she's had limited impact. Uh, to second, be honest. Most popular leader, second most popular leader, I believe. Uh, the the Stockdams are marooned on 5%. Well, I know, no but there. I'm just saying it's such a no, short length of time. To finish the point, yeah, to finish the point on Mihal, uh, he has the GAA thing. He has a not-disliked thing seen as a good and fair Taoiseach, a lot of ministerial experience. I actually think all he has to do is stay ahead of whoever the Fine Gael candidate is and transfers will get him home. I think he will be the next president. Not, 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 not Bertie, no? No, I don't think Bertie will get the nomination from Fianna Fáil. No, but does he need a nomination I, I from know, And I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know if... That's really kite flying. I don't think he's a credible candidate. You know, Fianna Fáil, TDs, ministers I speak to, you know, they, they're not dissing Bertie, but they're not saying he's a credible candidate. And it draws up all the past of the crash, the Troika, 
and they don't want to go there. You're finished with all that world of politics, are you? No, no, <laughs> no interest. No, I, I, I'm, I'm quite happy chatting about it uh, and, and analysing it, and with Matt arguing about politics. Because right. you know he's very woke. He's a cork guy, and he has lots of lots of problems in life. You know? <laughs> Being a cork guy, I'll have an opportunity to chat with him tomorrow. I hope, and I'll put that point to him. I don't want to wear you out. Good luck with the podcast. Don't be a stranger. Mind yourself, Ivan. Take care. I'm Gates, broadcaster, business and former politician himself. New podcast called Path to Power with uh, Matt Cooper, as the fellow says. Wherever you get your podcast, back after the break. Call Neil now. 0818-104-106. All right, what we didn't get to this morning, my apologies. We'll pick it up in the morning. Lots more to do tomorrow, Tuesday. Listen, make sure you stay listening across the day, not just today, but all week long. We have family passes to give away between now and Thursday on Cork's Red FM. So listen out through the day. You're listening out for a specific cue to call. It'll be panto-related. I'd love to play it for you, but you're going to have to listen out for yourself. And that's the time when you pick up the phone uh, and get involved to win yourself a family pass for Jack and the Beanstalk at the Opera House. And you'll be heading off uh, to this Friday's performance on January the 12th. There's less than two weeks left for the Cork's biggest and most uh, favourite panto, filled with amazing colour, costumes, fantastic music and belly laughs. And you can still book whatever's left ticket-wise at CorkOperaHouse.ie. So listen out across the day. Cue to call family passes to be won. Have a good day. Uh, still lines will stay open on 0868 by text 1850-104-106 Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters.